0: Log Talk
1: Radio. Africa at Africa. 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 the center of the world. Latitude zero, longitude zero. zero. Planned Africa. by the Creator. Sazanthropus was the first man found Africa. on the Earth. That Earth was the motherland. so vast so great the African embrace when you give the color of life universal harmony the earth supports our conscious effort for sustained humanity human beings
3: we are doo-wop and bebop and hip hop and we don't stop. So our mother gave birth to everyone on earth. So we echo her call. And always walks off. Cause we're hips of the world, so we create black pearls. That everyone can wear, that everyone can share. We can't live in despair. So we shine everywhere. On
2: and on. On and on.
4: That's right. We're going on and on. Welcome to Africa on the Moon. On the 31st day of October 2021. Our theme tonight is... The whole world eyes are on us. That's right. The whole world eyes are on us. And we're going to entertain your theme by selecting some articles that is of pertinent importance to African people in the African world. So on that note, what we're going to do, like always, we're going to be in the seat and we're going to take the heat. As we define it, we're going to stand behind it. And we're going to start our party by introducing our political panelists and analysts for today's program. And like always, we welcome you to call in on Africa on the Mood to give your views and any questions you may have as relates to the subject matter by dialing 323-679-0841. Repeat, 323-679-0841. Hit one, and we will acknowledge your last four numbers. This is Brother Africa, and welcome again to Africa on the move. Standing by, we're going to bring in Brother Haki right now, and we would like to welcome him to Africa on the move. Brother Haki, welcome.
5: My name is Haki Kamafa is ha- Kik, I'm from Currently, I'm with African awareness, and of course, Brother Africa, you know my thing, is all about institution building. But like I tell you, Brother Africa, I recently read an article uh, pertaining to the kind of discontent that exists in American society. So it's always good when you hear or read about people, you know, who understand the nature of the, of the situation in this country, particularly as it comes to the inequality that pervades the society, and to talk about the better needed changes in American society. So in order to understand the significance in terms of these kind of, these, uh, these are needed changes in terms of the perception of people, this article talks a great deal about the, uh, about the discontent in the society. But quite, anyway, I want you to check this out, Brother Africa. Now, according to the Pew Research Center, 85% of the U.S. adults surveyed wants changes to the U.S. political system, while 76% want changes to the health system, where presumably health care becomes a human right, and 66% want major changes to the economy, presumably to end policies that specifically uh, uh, continue to enrich the wealthy at the expense of the 9% of the population. This level of discontent is particularly evident among Generation Z. Uh, ages 18 to 24, who hold a somewhat farcical view of capitalism and the needless hardship it engenders. Polls conducted by Axiom and momentive indicated 50% of Generation Z harbor negative views of capitalism. While 57% of the majority hold positive views of capitalism, the level of discontent among the younger generation continues to increase. The source of young people's discon- consternation varies, but much of the discontent with capitalism involves around two primary concerns. First, the philosophical roots of capitalism, and secondly, the implications for the planet and life as we know it, with respect to the first concern, Philosophically, economics is known as the dismal science. It is dismal because the precepts or the mathematical calculations are not based on verifiable science, unlike physics or chemistry, etc. balancing equations will always result in a finding that can be verified in the case of economics, science does not lead but instead. Economics is really a reflection of class bias, manipulation, and guesswork serving the interests of the wealthy. Classic examples are the 7 to 10-year period the economy of capitalism experiences crisis. This peculiarity of capitalism is indicative of the ineffectual nature of its mathematical methods and its relationship to economic reality. Another example is the 2008 subprime debacle in which mathematical calculations supported continued increases in real estate values only to see prices of houses increasing exponentially, only to collapse, indebting the U.S. economy, trillions of dollars, compelling the government to print more money, further undermining the U.S. economy. A more succinct way of looking at economics is to see it as platitudes. They may sound great, but upon close examination reveals themselves to be hollow. Neoliberal economics tells us the greatest good of the system, economic system is to put self-interest above all other interests. Ironically, when the self societies that have endured for many a millennium, these societies incorporate compassion for others. Societies like Shanghai, which encompass Sudan and the, the Sahel region of Africa, the Kushite Kingdom, expanding northeast Africa, Asian, ancient Ghana, ancient Mali, Kemet, which is ancient Egypt, Manabatapa, which is ancient Zimbabwe, and ancient China employed horizontal economic structures that place value on the oneness of life elevating people and planet turning to both survival and existence it is a historical backdrop to facilitate the use of poetry to resolve military conflict by ancient Somalians or coining of the concepts such as Mbutu or in South Africa attested to the interconnectivity among humans ensuring human survival when Western economics elevates self-interest above all other inevitably a schism is created whereby a mutual understanding of life is impossible to, app- to appreciate Instead, a paradox is created where human self interest are separated from the concern for others. The planet itself is seen as something to be exploited, and human life loses its meaning. This unfortunate reality is reinforced by history that, that obscures the fact economics is defined in a way that glorifies average or greed. When rational economic man was coined, it opened the gates to an endless exploitation. In principle, this concept was the notion destruction was or is a reasonable payoff if the individual were to achieve maximum material gain. This notion, in turn, became the catalyst for a turn of pursuit of economic growth which justified global poverty, income disparity, and ecological destruction of the planet. Clearly, this philosophical this philosophy is an anathema or in opposition to ancient human history. If humans do not find a way to cooperate, the future of both the planet and people are in real danger. Now, we'll be set to the second point. Now, capitalism's disastrous impact on the planet can be summed up in one word, neoclassism. Neoclassism in economics maintained the standards established during Rome's ascent was the perfect business model. Implicit in this model was the notion wealth by the powerful was easily attainable, provided effective institutions could be erected to separate the poor from their labor. Supply would no longer with demand set prices. Instead, prices would be set by businesses. Big business will no longer concern itself with the disposable income in the pockets of the poor or based upon the cost of living, but instead focus on their profit margins. For the poor or those on fixed incomes, access to things they needed becomes problematic. Strangely enough, the poor would be blamed for their predicament because their lack of understanding value is to blame for going without. The reason goes like this. If they understood value, they would have made the necessary purchases. This logic applies to food, medicine, and housing. interesting enough, as wages continue to fall and the level of inflation rises, corporate responsibility continues to decline. Corporations as part of society do have a responsibility to society. corporations exist on to serve as shareholders, the social cost of hunger becomes unimportant to corporations, but greatly impacts society, particularly children. Now, this neoclassical creed does have powerful re- repercussions for the planet. Technologies that, could, depend, that could, de- could lessen dependence on, form, on fossil fuels exist. Reportedly, in the 1980s, technology existed for cars ensuring 50 miles per gallon of, of gas. That technology never saw the light of day because of its potential to undercut big oil's profits. If this isn't problematic enough, biodiversity loss attributed to big oil degradation of the environment is exceeded only by its destruction of the physical planet itself. Scientists, geologists specifically, agree all inside the earth serve as a shock absorber against the tectonic plate shifts. Without the presence of oil underground, the shipping of place may result in earthquakes, which could, could create considerable economic damage and death. Perhaps it is time to replace the effectiveness of a system that puts individual interests over the collective interests. Unfortunately, this absurdity of capitalism persists. In a latest U.S. geopolitical move, the U.S. is attempting to prevent China from accessing semiconductor chips. By coercing taiwan to leverage its patents and licensing to make it difficult for china to purchase semiconductor chips ironically modern electronic depends on semiconductor chips because most electronics sold in the u.s come from china such a strategy is full of symbolism uh pleasing some wealthy elites but in the final analysis would negatively affect the u.s economy while some wealthy individuals applaud the move the benefits for the masses are none only are only scarcity and higher prices. In the, US, the CARES, in the US, under the CARES Act, the Coronavirus Aid Relief and Economic Security Act, US utility companies received $1.25 billion from the government to prevent the shut off of electricity by those unable to work because of the shutdown from COVID-19. These companies took the money and proceeded to cut the services of the poorest families. Obviously, individual interests precluded the needs of a a cohesive society or assistance to the poor. Despite being overly compensated by government to provide services, the idea of treating people humanely unacceptable. This is the absurdity of capitalism and why so many people agree it has to go. And I'll close with that, Brother Africa.
4: Thank you, Brother
5: Hakeem.
4: Next, we will going to Brother Anthony, and we'd like to welcome him to Africa on the Moon. Welcome, Brother
6: Anthony. Hey, revolutionary greetings, Brother Africa, and the fellow panelists and the listening audience. My name is Anthony. I'm an organizer for the All-African People's Revolutionary Party, G.C., Objectivist Pan-Africanism the total liberation and unification of Africa under scientific socialism. Thank you, Brother Anthony. Father Brother Anthony, we'll bring you Brother Moses and we'd like
4: to welcome Brother Moses to Africa to Remove. Welcome, Brother Moses.
7: Thank you, thank you, Brother Africa, and, and greetings to everyone within the sound of my voice, especially the illustrious panelists. My name is Robert Andrew Moses, I've been in the struggle for scientific socialism from the moment I was introduced to Marxism during the government class back in my high school years, 1968. I call Marxism the race to cure racism. I bear witness that there's one God, Jesus, who is the author and finisher of my faith, and that Mao tongue, is his messenger for government. Fathers, help your children. And we don't reverse correct verdicts. I'm pro-choice, and I vote. And I like to say women hold up half the sky. That's why I'm for the Equal Rights Amendment, ERA, yes. And this this struggle is, is a complicated struggle, but it's simple in that it's only uh, a, hand, a few people who are in control of the economy, and we have to unite the many to defeat the few. The lies and distortions and, and uh, mm-hmm. propaganda of the few cannot last forever. We have to educate and organize. Thank you.
4: Thank you, Brother Moses. And we now bring you Sister Eleanor. We'd like to welcome her as well to Africa on the Move. Welcome, Sister Eleanor.
8: Good evening, everyone. Good evening to uh, our listeners and uh, the fellow fellow panelists and to you, Brother Africa. Um, I look forward to an enlightening, educational evening. Um, The world is really... Struggling this week, and uh we're gonna keep that struggle going you know to, as as Brother Moses said, really, the problem is that a few control the 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 monies and the properties and the world's assets press the many, so change is on its way.
4: Thank you, sister. Hello, we again, are would like to welcome the listening audience. This is Africa on the Moon on the 31st day of October 2021. Our theme tonight is The Whole World Eyes Are On Us. We will discuss this theme and many other issues that are affecting our communities. Right now, what we want to do is we're going to take a revolutionary culture break, and when we come back, we will have a discussion on what's going on in in your world, and the community. And we would like for you to join in with us by dialing 323-679-0841. We're going to give you what you need. It may not be necessary what you want, but our job is to serve our people to the best of our abilities. And this is what we're going to do on Africa on the move. We'll be right back. Don't you go nowhere. This is Africa on the move.
9: Attitude towards Africa in San Francisco on African Liberation Day, Brother Walter Rodney, an African historian, noted both the importance of African Liberation Day in terms of our African identity and some of the root causes for our problem of identification.
10: I have met brothers and sisters who say that their mother town, quote unquote, is French, Spanish, Dutch. Portuguese as well as English, which we speak. And because of this, we have a problem of identification. We do not know whom we are and that is why this gathering is of great symbolic importance because it is an act of identification. We are saying that we identify with the African people of the African continent. We are saying that we are an African people. And when we make this identification, have no illusions about the fact that this is a very revolutionary initiative. It is a rejection of every other form of identification which the white society has asked us to accept. Let me draw your attention to something which white universities and white libraries practice. And this is a university community, numerous universities lie around this land. Go into their libraries and check the Library of Congress card. Under Europe or Europeans, you will find all entries listed concerning the continent of Europe. You will also find entries listed about Europeans in East Africa, Europeans in North Africa, Europeans in Asia and Australia. Look under the Chinese, you will find entries listed not only for mainland China but for Malaysia and for the Chinese in, in, the, in North America. But look under Africa and the Africans. The only entries on the Africans relate to the continent it, itself. There are no entries on the Africans overseas. There is no such category. Africans who have been raped from the continent mysteriously disappear and become Negro. <laughs> We'd
4: well, like to walk you back to Africa on the Moon. You're listening to the voice of the great Walter right Rodney in Guyana. Yes, the world is on fire. Yes, the world who has our own Africa and African people. And what we're going to do right now to get some perspectives from African revolutionaries and freedom fighters. We'll bring in our analysts and panelists. One of them for today's program is Brother Haki, And we will ask him, Brother Haki, the whole world's on fire. What's going on in your world and the community? Brother Haki? One of the things, you know, um, you
5: know, uh well, well, first of all, there are many things I find extraordinary, but certainly when we start talking about the role of, of law, the role of legality in terms of how would, how is the basis of the basis, of forming fascism in society, a lot of times we fail to appreciate the role law play in terms of facilitating fascism. But recently there was a, 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 a court ruling uh, during a pretrial motion made a very astonishing claim I think people should be aware of and understand specifically the implications of what the judge was saying. But in any event, Brother Africa, I want you to check this out. Now, fascism manifests itself in different ways. Fascism, fascism can manifest itself in economic policy that empowers wealth even when it creates this, this equilibrium in the broader economy. It can manifest in a political context when the institution's established mandates are undermined by organized interests too powerful to rein in or control. These inequities, relatively blatant, pale in comparison to a legal precedent precedent that is both covert and intricately linked to the maintenance of inequality. Historically, legal cases have been sanitized by previous rulings given the perception of the continuity of legal decisions. Upon close inspection, what we think of as thoughtful deliberation by jurists is in reality a facade that conceals law is often the engine that drives fascism. Legal cases like Citizens United that define corporations as people create the perfect platform from which the entire political machinery of the U.S. could be controlled by a tiny faction of capitalists who disdain for democracy is evident. Most of the populace, unaware of the legal ruling's implications, fail to appreciate the corruption of the political process and the added incentive of capitalists to game the system, enhance their wealth, and designate the poor as the consummate threat. The question of threat should not be viewed lightly in the context of spiraling fascism. Legal institutions to be effective in serving the interests of the wealthy must do two things. Interpretation of law must fit one of two criteria. One law must be interpreted in a way that is beneficial to the capitalist class, or secondly, the misability of law, even when dubious, has some tangible benefit to the capitalist. Case in point is the pending case of Kyle Rittenhouse. The case slated to begin in November of November first, twenty twenty one. This case involves uh, Kyle Rittenhouse killing two people, injuring a third, during a demonstration against police shooting of African people, uh, specifically Jacob Blake, an unarmed twenty nine year old man in Wisconsin, Wisconsin. Rittenhouse, seventeen year old years of age at that point, is a supporter of Blue Lives Matter, which, by the way, is a moniker used to belittle Black Lives Matter. Travelled from Illinois to Wisconsin with two high-powered rifles allegedly two AR-15s ensuing complications with protesters resulted and three protesters being shot by Rittenhouse with two dying from their wounds the case seemed rudiment rudiment in that the defendant crossed state lines with two high-powered weapons presumably to intimidate or at the very least attempt to carry out the function of state although not sanctioned under the color of law under this narrative the unsanctioned killing of two people by Rittenhouse witnessed the deceased and the survivor as victims, regardless of allegations whether the deceased possessed a handgun on his person. Apparently, Judge Bruce Schroeder had Schroder has a unique view concerning victimhood status. Judge Schroder, in a pretrial ruling, ruled the word "victim" cannot be used to describe the deceased or the survivor. He went on to say even the word "alleged victim" was too loaded. And prosecutors are barred from using the word. The difficult, the difficult to reconcile a Judge Schroeder's ruling is the straightforward meaning of victim. <clears throat> an action perpetrated against another, against their will, constitutes a degree of a, a degree of victimhood. Given the choice between being shot or remaining healthy, most people will opt not to be shot. Denying an individual the right not to be shot is tantamount to solidifying that individual's victimhood. Clearly, this dubious ruling changes the perception of Rittenhouse and potentially alters the events of that fateful night. Little question of the beneficiaries of this ruling and that the courts as benefactor may have greatly improved Rittenhouse's acquittal possibility while potentially elevating him to the status of an icon. Now, the absurdity of Judge Schroeder's ruling did not end with the inane analysis with respect to victim, but evolved to transverse the world of the irrational. He subsequently ruled Wittenhouse defense team could refer to deceased and the sole survivor as riders and looters, end quote, if, if the defense team can produce evidence to back up their designation. The judge's stipulation that the defense provide concrete examples of the possibility of looting riding riding is very vague. The mere proximity to looters or riders, from a legal framework can be viewed, can be a very difficult barrier to overcome. Coupled with the judge's, excuse me, coupled with the judge's intimation that the deceased and the survivor presence at the protest, it made them probable, set the stage to characterize the victims as the aggressors. In this context, Rittenhouse's motivation to kill becomes justified, and his chances of acquittal greatly enhanced. Now, in the conclusion, the notion of legal rulings that attempt to justify vigilantism, vigilantism is problematic. Constitutional statutes decline unregulated militias reveals the very real concerns of citizens operating outside the bounds of established institutions and the threat to organized society. Ironically, this judge ruling has the potential to not only to legitimize vigilantism but set a legal precedent where killing of protesters is permissible under law. Does such a legal precedent serve any real interest? Yes, of course it does. Capitalist America and all its institutions are established to protect capital. Protests undermine their pledge by confronting institutions whose mandates are to thwart democracy by any means. The legal system role is to provide the legal framework to protect the capitalists that routinely deny those rights to its citizens when those rights come into conflict with the role of institutions. By creating the perception, those paramilitary forces fighting to preserve the capitalist way of life by fighting against protesters at it its heart is in the interest of the capital, capitalists. The legal system, mode is to legitimize right-wing military groups operating in the U.S. and throughout the world. The question is for all of us, can fascism and legal circles be stopped? And that is a critical question we have to ask ourselves. If it's, in fact, um, uh, if it's in fact uh, rooted in terms of legal precedent in terms of this this potential for a fascism society, the question has to be, if that is so, then the question is, what are we going to do? What can we do? And we have to ask ourselves seriously uh in terms of the future in society, in terms of that very that we're that very concerned as that's pertains to sweep the society. And I'll close to that brother Africa.
4: Thank you, Brother Haki. Next go to Brother Anthony. Brother Anthony, what's going on in your world in the community?
6: Certainly. I'll start off with uh <clears throat> responding uh to Brother Haki's comment on uh the Pew survey that he talked about when he introduced himself uh i want to i just want to add something to that i think uh you know the survey indicated uh that uh, a majority of people are for political or economic change in society but uh but uh, because of uh, uh Brainwashing by the ruling bourgeoisie, they are not taking that uh, sentiment to a logical conclusion, which is that they are for revolution and for scientific socialism. Uh, because, as Kwame Ture pointed out, there are only two economic systems in the world: scientific socialism or capitalism. So if people are – if a majority of the people are opposed to capitalism, they would have to be for socialism, taking taking it to its logical conclusion, which a lot of people are afraid of because they're afraid of the concept of socialism, and they're scared of uh, the term revolution, which means uh, 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 a a total change – uh in in society uh let's see uh i want to uh focus on uh a decision made by the democratic of the republic of the congo recently uh they uh they said they they plan on the uh, establishing um a, di- a diplomatic consulate in jerusalem and uh and this is in flagrant uh violation of uh international law which indicates that Jerusalem is a contested uh a territory within uh the the design of state of Israel. And uh and uh is show and indicates that that a lot of uh, the political leadership in Africa is are, are, are cutting deals with Zionism uh, to the detriment of uh, Africa's long-term political interests, mm-hmm. and also the uh, and also the struggle of uh, the Palestinians to regain control of their homeland. And uh, so, this has to uh, be taken uh, very seriously. And it shows that uh, that uh, pan-Afghanism has to be built from the bottom up. It cannot be built from the top down because of the corrupt nature of most of the current uh,
5: elected uh, leadership in Africa.
4: Thank you, Brother Anthony. Next, we'll go from Brother Anthony to Brother Moses. Brother Moses? what's going on in your world in the community brother moses
7: thank you thank you thank you um i I would like to echo um that um I, I don't want to repeat uh, what was been said but those comments about the um Pew survey and the and the um the judge's order about um not being not talking about victims um those were two significant things that happened this week. And uh, also, uh, President Biden uh, at the G20, at the I believe it was, in, in Rome, uh, I think they agreed that, that corporations would get a minimum of 15% tax. And uh, that would be a step forward if, if the world all got united around taxing these corporations. Uh, it would be a step forward. Um, it has been an interesting week uh, um i don't i don't know um uh i just i just think that that judge is um uh ruling that these people couldn't be called victims uh shows his prejudice and his bias and uh, it doesn't well well for uh just verdict in this case in that case uh, uh and um I don't know I'll just leave it right there Thank you
4: Thank you, Brother Moses From Brother Moses We go to Sister Eleanor Sister Eleanor What's going on in your world In the community? Sister Eleanor Well,
8: thank you so much I'd like to just piggyback On uh, Brother Hakeem's uh, Reflection on the uh, Judicial decision And uh, the reality is it really demonstrates uh, that democracy is under attack. When, when we see with our own eyes people being victimized and their civil rights undermined it, that uh, we, uh, we should uh, 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 ignore it, ignore what we see and listen to this uh, uh, decision. Uh, is outrageous. But what's also happening this week is that, um, you know, the EU is considering a 25% corporate tax. And the 15% corporate tax is a move in the right direction Consider that there are 55 of these super mega entities that pay zero taxes. And so the issue is right now as brother anthony akim and brother moses had said is that people are ready for change but people do not understand what kind of change they're ready for and we have to be very careful because people are frightened of certain words like socialism this sort of thing but so and we need to educate and organize we saw this week that uh bolsonaro uh, in Brazil is uh, the Brazilian government is attempting to charge him with uh, crimes against humanity. And they showed him and Trump uh, and their treatment of the uh, pandemic and uh, them holding uh, hydrochloroquine suggesting that it was a cure for the virus and how Bolsonaro mishandled the pandemic and how some 600,000 plus Brazilians died. The only nation to have more deaths than Brazil uh, at this time is the United States. So it's good to see that uh, the people of Brazil uh, and their uh, government are standing up against fascism. Uh, Right now in our country, the biggest fight is fascism. We see that in Oklahoma. They're busy uh, executing people and suggesting that people can have a choice of execution. The very concept of giving someone uh, a choice of execution is a human rights violation. That's mental abuse. That's a type of torture. What do you mean? You're giving me a choice of how you're going to murder me? There is no choice because our choice, and I'm sure those individual choices are, no executions, a moratorium on all executions in this country, period. No capital punishment. They allegedly executed a young man with an IQ of 66. Well, in theory, um, they're this young man is uh intellectually uh, uh, incompetent but there was a judge who uh decided to rule and say that he was not and they found this young man to be competent and executed him so we see this happening the biggest thing happening is the election in virginia if uh if if, if doesn't win then we're going to see a trickle-down effect throughout this country. And fascism is something, as Brother Akin said, that we really have to fight. Right now, of course, capitalism is the big problem, but fascism is a problem unto itself. And we need to fight those, and we need not forget what President Trump had hoped to do. He had hoped to shoot and have the military fire on demonstrators in front of the White House. Thank God, somehow there were enough checks and balances in place in the US government that prevented this from happen happening that he couldn't just do this because he definitely made every attempt to do so. And he led that violent insurgence on the Capitol. So we saw that fascist attempt on the U.S. law on January sixth, but people are confused. So people in Virginia need to stand up, and 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 they may think they have uh, two evils, but you better take the least and combat fascism. This McCullen and this race theory—he doesn't want to see books like *Beloved*, a fictional book about a hunting, written by Toni Morrison, in in the public schools. And he's talking about education and expanding the budget for education. But he's taking money away from public education, um, putting it other places. So we see a real struggle, and it's happening right in our neighborhood, in the state of Virginia. So we need to urge everyone to get out and vote and vote uh, uh, these fascists down. Ignore them. You know, and don't pay attention to the fact that uh, someone running for uh, uh, attorney general or whatever the position is is called being a, a minority, having a Hispanic name. A fascist is a fascist, and President Biden had to speak out this week against fascism. A U.S. president actually talked about fascism, and it doesn't matter whether he comes in a pinstripe suit or a flannel shirt or with an AK-47 uh, is the same and their goals are the same. So I hope that uh, uh, we uh, continue to uh, help people uh, realize the importance of voting. I hope we begin and continue with programs like this to educate the public. And uh, to not unite people, to to unite uh, folks with the, as you have done, brother Africa, and and your analysts with the uh, Native Americans, uh, continue to do this great work with our Latin American brothers and sisters. But we need to know that taxing the very rich has very little to do with someone who owns a house, getting a tax refund. The very rich pay no taxes. We have 55 of the richest corporations and people in the world paying zero taxes. So let's push forward and and make sure that everyone begins to pay taxes in this country. Make sure that the big top 20% pay taxes. We can't afford to enforce our tax laws, Brother Africa, because we can't hire and train IRS employees to attack the top 20%. So uh, we need to increase our tax base by making the top 20% pay taxes to this government that they... Uh, utilize the resources, the highways, the people, everything. So that's so important. And we need to move the economy away from having workers work 40 hours a week, but the government, but they have to depend on government food assistance and medical assistance and housing assistance because these capitalists do not pay them a livable wage. So we have to move away from oppressing workers in this country and make the super rich and these massive corporations and the industrial complex pay their fair share of taxes, including Amazon.
4: Thank you. Thank you, Sister Alan Noah. um Before we go on our rubbish share break, station break, panelists, I would like each one of y'all to respond to this uh, narrative of do we truly believe that these governments and these politicians would try to create uh, the scenario where there's a, a tax, a ten, fifteen 15 percent tax um, tax break imposed on businesses without creating any kind of loophole when they receive their money back and more on the back end. Is this just political posturing, Brother Haki? What's your take on this? I believe this is just political posturing for the public.
5: Yeah, Brother Africa, it's political posturing. Uh, let us let us be very, very clear with respect to taxes. One of the things they don't talk about a great deal is, is just, there's two ways you look at taxes. You can talk about a marginal tax rate or you can talk about an effective tax rate. Now, the thing is that so what they sell us in terms of the media, they consistently talk about uh, marginal marginal tax rates. So they would say corporations legally pay a, a tax rate a corporate tax rate of 21%. Of course, that's on paper. The reality is when you talk about all the deductions and all those of uh, the, uh, the earned income and all these kind of – not earned income, but the, the, all these kind of um, – um, uh uh uh, the t- uh tax deductible loopholes that they utilize in terms of avoiding tax paying taxes, they clearly it doesn't even approach uh twenty one percent. So when you talk about effectively uh, you know, these people paying zero percent tax rate, it's very, very real. And also keep in mind that a lot of times unless that those earnings are declared, the corporations can simply hide those those resources without being taxed legally. And there's nothing the government can do about that. Now in respect to effective effective tax rate, it's what you actually pay. And so, when you talk about working people or poor people, we pay an effective tax rate. When they say we pay, when they say when they say seventeen to 20 percent of our taxes, our our wages are taxed. That's really what we pay. There is no exceptions because we don't have access to the loopholes to the to the to that the, 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 the more wealthier individuals access to. So we truly pay a tax rate, of whatever it is deemed to be. So that is clearly the difference. So when they start talking about that they're going to tax corp- increase the corporate tax rate to, to, to 15%, even though even it currently is at 21%, if, in fact, they did that, if they lowered it to 15%, then essentially what they're saying is that on the other end of the spectrum, what they're going to do is they can create more tax holes to make sure that the actually effective tax rate, what they should be paying, remains at zero. So this is a game they play. It sounds good on paper, but then we have to understand, look behind the scene, understand the mechanics in terms of how taxes really work. And once we look behind the scene and understand how taxes really work, then we begin to distinguish between, you know, marginal and effective. And then we understand the games being perpetuated against us, and understanding that all of this is game playing. And it all sounds good. The bottom line is that the, the ability to tax wealthy people is not a difficult ordeal. There's many ways that you can tax wealthy people. Transaction taxes is the perfect way to do it. Uh, that way, minimize the uh, the possibility of them getting away not paying taxes. Every single transaction, specifically discipline We talk about stocks. is taxed, and so therefore, they, they, they can't get away with in terms of avoiding taxes. But clearly, we got understand that people who use the power benefit from the current tax structure, and they're in no hurry to create a tax structure which is fair because they benefit from the unfair tax structure. So clearly, if we if we think for one second that politicians are going to endorse or a corporate tax rate that's responsible or endorse a corporate tax rate that actually taxes the 1% of the population adequately, then we're sadly mistaken. That's simply not going to happen. So to answer the question, Brother Africa, yes, it's a game being perpetuated against the people, clearly.
4: Brother Anthony, we know politicians are controlled by those with the money. Do you think those who are being controlled by money will create policies? against those who they are receiving the money from?
6: No. And I think uh and I think uh you know uh you know what the UN is saying is a smoke screen and uh is to uh you know uh keep uh people contented that something's being done. But as uh Brother Haki alluded to uh these countries, these imperialist countries, are not going to get get rid of the loopholes that our corporations use to avoid paying actual taxes on their uh, profits. So uh, you know it's an illusion, and what it's going to take uh, to make it real is for the people to get organized. And uh, and uh, that involves more than voting, which is actually the bare minimum a worker can do. But it takes uh, permanent political organization and mechanisms to pressure uh, the political leadership, uh, you know, to change. But uh, short of that, uh let's see uh it's a smoke screen and uh and uh you know and uh because right now under these capitalist countries people do not have mechanisms for holding their leadership accountable. Which is why most of them are discontent with it.
4: Thank you, brother Anthony. Since Eleanor my question to you. I'm going to make a prediction on a general outcome of most of these elections that are going to take place throughout the U.S. And my prediction is the so-called Republican Party going to win most and majority of the elections. And I would say, based upon the behavior and the actions of the Democratic Party, that um, you should thank the Democratic Party for the Republican victory. Your response to that, Sister Eleanor?
8: Um, Brother Africa, in some, I, I certainly hope that uh, the electorate will get out and stop that from happening. And as Brother Anthony said, voting is the least that you can do, but it's a start. In a nation where many of us do nothing, um, I think that the Democrats have sat on their feet. They had an opportunity to pass that John Lewis bill, uh, or uh, they had two voters' uh, rights bills sitting right there on their on their diocese, and they didn't take action. And 18 states have, so uh, we better pray and 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 act against uh, uh, uh the fascists in virginia this tuesday because uh, the 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 states have already taken action to restrict voters uh voter rights and uh in doing so they uh were securing a Republican victory. Uh, these voter suppression laws not only affect African Americans, they affect all Americans. Maybe in 1965 when Lyndon Bain Johnson signed the Voters' Rights Act because of the, uh, the movement Uh, And the way the media described things, they described it only as an African-American victory. But it was, in fact, a victory for many Americans, Native Americans, Chicano Americans, many Americans who had rights uh, and access to the polls that we had never had before or hadn't had in generations since the voter suppression laws of the uh, late 20th century were initiated. And so right now, to get to the point, um, Brother Africa, the Democrats sat on their hands and they did not pass these laws that would have affected uh, voting rights nationally. They did not stand up and discuss and bring to the nation's attention the importance of the Voters' Rights Amendment of 1965 and how it was being devastated by states one by one after the November 2020 election. And we still have a candidate, Virginia Youngkin, who's alleging that Donald Trump, uh, the election was stolen from Donald Trump. With these people, with these voter suppression laws, want to limit who votes. If you're an old person that goes to the poll right now in the District of Columbia, all you need is your voting registration card, and you can vote. In many states now, you have to have certain types of ID uh, so students will be able to vote, but that senior citizen whose ID expired in 2020 during the pandemic may not be able to vote. Because they haven't gotten out to renew their ID, or suddenly uh, in some states, what would normally be a, a, a vote will become a um, what do we call it when you uh, uh, when you vote, but your vote can only be counted under certain circumstances because uh, of alleged irregularities with that particular electorate. Well. We're in danger, and the Democrats certainly contributed uh, more than their share to making sure that uh, voters' rights were restricted throughout this country. So uh, they didn't stand up. They'll say it's not too late to stand up, so they need to do it now. Pass that John Lewis voters' rights bill. Pass those bills. Get them into law, make them act, stand up for the American people, stand up for democracy by making sure each and every person can vote, everyone of the electorate can vote. And it's an odd thing, Brother Africa, when you think about it. Uh, Many of the people that have been living here, born here for generations and standing right where their grandparents and their great-grandparents stood, standing where their former enslaved ancestors stood, are less likely to have the very credentials that uh, this new voters legislation is requiring uh, in many states. So it's disenfranchising. Uh, the very people that people like Trump are claiming to represent. So it's just a big farce. And I think the Democrats have harmed uh, the nation by not pushing forward with voter rights legislation.
4: Thank okay, you, Sister Alan Noah. Fellow Moses, I'd like to respond to this scenario. When someone tell you once you vote, between two or the less evil, have they not learned that from evil you never get anything good
7: well there's no there's always contradiction in any in any voting situation there's going to be contradiction, whether you're in Cuba, Venezuela uh, Zimbabwe, wherever there's going to be contradiction, and you're going to have to choose choose who best represents your interests. And that's the reality. You're either part of the solution, or you're part of the problem. And so, we need people who are astute enough and who who can who can um, analyze the political forces and recognize what what is the most progressive force there. Um, 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 you know, this is just reality. It's going to be contradiction. Um, um, if we if we're looking for a pure revolution without any votes it just somehow we're just gonna kind of one day wake up and there's gonna be a revolution uh, it's just not gonna happen uh, it's going to take um, people consciously recognizing who who's who and what what and who, where people are coming from and where they're trying to go and then and, and recognize and and uh, make choices within the parameters of what is what is available and uh, um talk, the, the the idealism of of um, of um it doesn't make any difference whether it's trump or or, or biden that's pure idealism uh, um uh, because of the material reality there's a fascism versus a, a bourgeois capitalist and a liberalism and and the, and um and the united front against Fascism. We have long ago made the decision that we would support the democratic forces in the struggle against fascism, and that that verdict has not been reversed and should not be reversed. And so I don't know. I, I know there's a lot of people who don't care. Basically, in essence, that's what they're saying. They don't care who's in office. They just they just gonna um, live their lives and, and suffer whatever consequences happen. And uh, and uh you know, there, there's no great love for the people. And uh, that's what I that's the problem, uh, as I see it. Uh people don't have that love for the people and uh and the and the plight of the people and uh analyze and ha- have no sophisticated analyzation other than uh general generalization and don't see the particularities of the contradiction and recognize that uh that um, Everybody's coming from somewhere and going somewhere, and that it's going to take a protracted struggle before there's a qualitative change and It's not going to happen overnight. I don't know I'll leave it right there. Thank you,
4: Thank you, Brother Rosen. Brother Hokey. I say again, when you talk about voting for two of the less evils, you start out with the premise that they all are evils. So why are you only being limited to evil choices instead of good choices? Your response.
5: Yeah, that is that is a quintessential question because you're absolutely correct, Brother Africa. Evil is evil. And so you can't quantify evil. Evil is simply evil. And the say that one is less than others doesn't make any sense. reality is if you do something that's negative, something that's wrong, something that's antagonistic, uh, the reality is that those, those variables doesn't change in terms of whether you talk about democracy or republic. You're Republican you're talking about things that adversely impact or negative impact the aspirations of the other of of the people What we have to understand is brother Moses has a point There is a process involved in terms of people come realization that the system is fundamentally bankrupt and if if, if Voting makes, makes that possible then sure of course then we, we tell people sure if you want to go out and vote by all means go out and vote uh, if that's going to help you to to to, uh, to uh, uh, If that's going to provide you some clarity in terms of just how bankrupt the system is, then by all means, go and vote. Because then at some point, maybe down the road, maybe 10, 20, 30, 40 years down the road, you begin to see that the whole process is bankrupt. Then I make you more amenable to the idea in terms of, of terms of socialist change. So we, we understand that and we support that. But the problem is that we, we cannot, we got to be careful in terms of how we couch, how we articulate our positions. Because if we imply that voting is a solution, then then we have a fundamental problem because you and I both understand that voting is not the solution. It's never been the solution. Now we think for one second that simply voting politicians and positions of power, that they're going to take the interests of the people at heart and move to to, 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 to enforce the interests of the people. Then we're sadly mistaken. We have over 125 years of history in this country that shows that politicians are politicians and it doesn't matter whether they're Republican or Democrat. So when you talk about a system in terms of, you know differences in terms of politicians It's question it's a question of style in terms of the politics in terms of the rules the policies that they endorse there's no fundamental difference between it's simply a question of style democrats will deceive you by patting you on the back and saying okay uh we on, we, we got your back we, we'll look out for you why they screw you the say "The hell with you we don't care nothing about you and we can prove it to you by our policies so it's a question of style fundamentally uh, uh the masses of people Disadvantage, no matter how you look at it. So it's a question of style. So it's not a question that you have two competing ideologies. That's not what's happening. We think simply because we talk about Democrat and Republican, we we assume that that the two are 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 the the inverse of one another. That they're they're different, but the bottom line is they're one and of the same. They're 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 two sides of the same coin, and we that's very very clear. Malcolm X is very clear on that point. Marcus Garvey was very clear on that point. Uh, anybody who understands history, who understands politics, who understands capitalism, understands that these forces, uh, these politicians who are represented to, to, to endorse the system are not going to come to positions of power to eradicate or destroy that system. Their thing is to promote that system. That's very, very clear. It doesn't matter whether you're Republican or Democrat. As much as I like uh, Alexander Azale- Ocasio-Cortez, Azale- 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 as much as I like her, because at least she does from time to time articulate positions that are, that are impactful, that are, that are very important, that, are, that has the potential to empower the people. And I, I love her for that. But the bottom line is that she is a politician. And so when she sat around and endorsed a, billion, a, a, a $3 billion deal, give, give Israel $3 billion for so-called Iron Dome program to the military program for the sole purpose of more destruction of the people of Yemen, more the structure of the people of Syria, more to structure of the people in Iraq, when she did that, it, it just reinforced this understanding that her motivation, even though she might articulate her desire in terms of, of creating, a society, uh, creating conditions that are favorable to the masses of people, the bottom line is that she voted according to her interests. She understood by voting for giving the Israel that $3 billion, he, she understood that now she has access to, to all kinds of investments from Zionist elements right here in America. So clearly, let's be very, very clear about this. The love of the people has nothing to do in terms of strategically understanding the reality in terms of how, how things exist in society. I can love the people and still not vote. I don't have to vote to love the people. I love the people by, by, by example in terms of the kind of, kind of sacrifice I make in terms of doing what I do, historically, you, know, you see. So they, So it's, it's not like something that, you know, that, that, that people who are concerned about the people just thought. Most of us have been doing this in excess of over 25 years. Some of us been doing this 35, some of us been doing 45, some of us been doing 65 years. We've been doing this for a long, long time. So our love for the people is very, very self-evident. That's very, very clear. Otherwise, we would have quit a long time ago. Into to the hell with it. I'm not going to deal with this. You know what I mean? I'm just going to play it safe. I'm going to be pragmatic. You know, I'm going to make my money, and I'm going to use in and everybody in order to make some money, because that's the American way. We chose a different way. So we understand intimately the, the political process in terms of how it works, and so, when we talk about the differences between Democrat and Republican part, remember, parties, we got to understand fundamentally there is no difference. If we don't fundamentally understand that difference, too much weight to voting, uh, you know. So I, I just want to make that very, very clear, brother Africa. You're absolutely correct. So when you say less or two evils, evil is still evil. It doesn't diminish evil simply because it's more. The evil is more palatable because when you, as opposed to slapping me, you 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 kick me. It's no difference to me. Either way you you you, you, you 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 uh you inflicted an infraction upon my body. So either way I'm gonna feel it. Even though I might feel it more in terms of slap, but nonetheless, it, 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 being kicked, that pain doesn't diminish either. So clearly, Brother Africa, you're absolutely correct. There is no difference between uh, there there is no degrees of, of evil. Evil is evil, point blank and I'll close with that.
4: Thank you, brother Haki. And before we go on that revolutionary culture break, I'll bring in Anthony. Brother Anthony, I'll let you get the last words in for this segment. What's going on in our world and your world the community? I would like to you to speak to we you referenced earlier, you and Haki referenced to this Pew Research Center um survey they did on how people felt about their political um, political leadership, the economic uh, welfare of the country, et cetera. Excuse me for a second. <coughs> thing they did not mention, and I'm just curious in terms of your perspective on this, is that in most Western elections, particularly in U.S. elections, you have way less than 50% 50 of the people participating in the election. So in terms of this concept of democracy, and you got less than the majority participating in this process, what do you make of that? Yes, I've had elections as low as maybe 30 to 40% of participation. That means sixty percent of the people did not participate. So how do you govern and rule from that perspective in a concept when you say it's a question about democracy, the people, you know, depend upon the people, the participation and the people we are? See, that to me, the people we are saying for whatever choice is available, they not support none of them. Well, I'm just curious in terms of this issue of, less than 50%, 50% of the people participating in these so-called elections when you're looking at the West and that so-called praise or a so-called great democracy? Your response, Brother Anthony?
6: Yes, uh, certainly. Um, I think uh, the masses of the people, the majority, overwhelming majority of your working people, realize that uh that a choice between different capitalist parties that represent the same uh the same ruling class the ruling bourgeoisie is not really a choice for the working class at all and I think what it uh, what it uh, uh what it reflects is a lack of organization. And political education among the working class, and uh, you know, and the parties, uh, the uh, uh, a lot of the political parties that are to the left have not done an adequate job of organizing the workers to act into political formations that could actually contest uh uh these elections and provide a real alternative uh for the working masses and uh i think uh i think unconsciously a lot of people that do that that are eligible to vote don't because after uh after nearly uh hundred and sixty uh sixty four years uh 165 years after the 14th amendment was passed which extended africans the right to vote in the u.s uh i think i think uh a lot of africans are 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 sick and tired of not uh, uh, of not having a real alternative but they don't but because of a lack of political education and permanent organization, they don't know of an alternative. But it is clear from the Pew survey that a majority of the people want one. And uh, and I think because of various divisions uh, inside the European uh, left primarily, and also divisions, even among uh, you, you know among Africans, we have not provided a suitable alternative. And I think, and I think, so, so I think uh, you know a lot of people are frustrated having to having to choose between the lesser of evils, because evil is evil, as Hati correctly points out, but uh we uh those who uh, those of us who have an understanding of our history could point to our history uh in terms of the lessons of the implications of uh supporting uh the democratic republican duopoly. Uh for um, see uh, people forget that the Democratic Party was the party of the slaveocracy. It was, and it was, uh, a, 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 and it was a new party, the Republican Party, uh, that uh, that a, a, that advocated for the abolition of chattel slavery, so that uh, so that uh, the U.S. could emerge as a capitalist country. So uh, the Republican Party has always been pro-big business historically. And uh, you know, and the uh, thing about it though, and neither of those options represent our interests. And we have to get about the hard work of organizing our people. And uh that's a lot harder than casting a vote, admittedly. But it is necessary in order to affect uh genuine change in this society that we organize into political, into political entities that could contest uh, the Democratic-Republican duopoly.
4: Thank you, Brother Anthony. You're listening to Africa on the Move. Our theme tonight is the whole world eyes are uh, on us. We're going to be discussing this theme when we come back from our Representative Costa break. We'll start off with our analysis. of are trying to analyze the trial of Thomas and Kari killers. We'll be discussing these issues and others as we begin to take a look at the whole world eyes are on us. We'll be right back to this Africa on the move.
11: No mind your nationality, but you have got the identity of an African. But if you come from Clarendon, and if you come from Portland, and if you come from Westmoreland, you're an African. So don't care where you come from, as long as you're a black man, you're an African. do mind your nationality, you have got the identity of an African. Because if you come from Trinidad, and if you come from i in.
1: Brothers gonna work it out.
4: Africa on the moon, my brother Africa, we're in the city, we're gonna take the heat. And our theme tonight is the whole world eyes are on us. we talk talking about Africa, the African people. We can look at this because we can look at the history. That when you talk about the nucleus that make the world goes round, the centerpiece has always been Africa. There was a battle in 1884-85 called the Berlin Conference in terms of who would take control of the continent of Africa, African people and their labor and their resources. And you look at year 2021, you can see this playing out again. There's again another scramble, many people say the second scramble to recolonize Africa. You have the U.S. forces that have militaries in every African country on the continent. Why is that? You have France, Germany, Spain, the typical Western countries, are staging and raising coups and jockeying positions to continue to have access and control of the major minerals that the whole world needs to function off of. And of course, they all have foreign policies that totally disrespect Africa and African people and humanity. So we see the whole world eyes are on us. In the continuation of this discussion, this thing, we're bringing up to the good panelists and the analysts. and We're talking about some articles that would typify and represent that. Presently, there's an ongoing trial. There's a trial that's beginning up to try to find out or to execute those individuals who had a role in the assassination of Thomas and Carla, who is the former president of uh, Burkina Faso, formerly known as Arthur Vulture. There's an interesting article titled The Trial of Thomas and Carla Killers, written by Kenny Sorum, um and will produce on October twentieth, two thousand twenty one. If you get a chance take a look at it, but I find it really interesting, panelists, in terms of the nature of this particular trial and what kind of truths are really come about from it, in terms who were the true killers, who were the true organizers, both planners behind it, and obviously get the real mover, movers and shakers who orchestrated and were responsible for the killing of Thomas Ciccala. Brother Hockey, when you read this particular article, what you took from this or what can we expect the most that will come from this of very curious in terms of the timing of the so called um, trial and the so called um um killers that they have identified up to this point. Your take on this article, Brother Haki.
5: Suspect I suspect the timing has a lot to do with the fact that the, the Mali government uh realized that the, the French government is uh training um, you know, um uh, merc- not mercenaries, but training people to, to fight the state. So I, I think that uh, France is a bit, feeling a bit exposed now. And so this case in terms of Thomas Ankara, you know, just happened to, to, to come into existence. It's very, very interesting because his wife has been fighting for a long time in terms of trying to bring this to the forefront. But what is interesting about this case, Brother Africa, is that when you talk about the, the conspirators, those individuals responsible for the murder of Thomas Sankara, it's a familiar theme in uh, in uh, in Africa. Well, it's, it's a familiar theme throughout the world, but particularly in Africa, and it makes me sort of sad because the bottom line is that you're talking the kind of the level of oppression, the uh, the the uh, the the, um, the systematic injustice inflicted upon Africa is so massive that if the response uh, from African leaders isn't equally as determined then there's no way conceivable that Africa is going to escape the this, 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 this kind of current uh, turmoil that it's confronted with. And so when we talk about these Western powers in terms of their inclinations or their, their desire to see the continuation of uh, a, a colonized Africa, uh, you know, um, France is epitomizes that. Now, as bad as the U.S. is in terms of the kind of imperialist practices it, it practices, uh, France has been doing a very good job in terms of, you know, uh, actually – when we talk about intervention, France has done a very good, very good job in terms of intervening in Africa in terms of, you know, destabilizing African governments. And uh, so clearly this, this case in terms of Sankora, you, you know, um, it's a case that we need to be very concerned about. Now, in terms of the case of Africa, you know, what's interesting is the individual uh, Blaise Campore, uh, you know, this guy was the, uh, allegedly he was a coup leader, and this guy has a long history in terms of, or, co- you know, cooperating with the West, in particular cooperating with France. Now, what is interesting about this particular guy is that at the time that they were initiated an investigation, you know, in terms of Thomas Sankara's murder, he fled to Côte de Val. Now, what is interesting, you would think that African leaders would say, listen, uh, you know, you can't come here. After what you did, the way you betrayed the people, you cannot come here. But typically that's how what happens. Typically when these African when these corrupt African leaders commit murder or commit uh, acts of treason against their own nations. Typically, they have access to other African states, and I find that very, very extraordinary. So, it speaks to the kind of uh, corruption, uh, the kind of malfeasance that exists with respect to, to to African leaders on the continent in terms of their willingness, you know, to participate and uh, or certainly support uh, those kind of treacherous moves by African leaders, even though those moves are detrimental to the survival or the aspirations of the African continent and African people. Uh, but anyway, he left. But he, eventually, he left Côte d'Ivoire and he's in France. And so, well, ironically, you know, when 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 uh, when the, when the, when the, when, the, when the, uh, Burkina Faso requested the records in terms of the investigation conducted by the French around the killing of Thomas Sankara, since the French were behind the killing of Thomas Sankara, they wanted the records to 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 to, to ascertain exactly uh, how many current leaders and former leaders were actually part of that whole process. Well, friends. Provided them some documents, but the documents that really implicate the people who are responsible for carrying that out, uh, those documents weren't provided. In fact, one of the, one of the uh, very real ironies when you talk about terms of culpability, when you talk about the blame that uh, France played in terms of the killing of Thomas Saqqara, France has been very adamant in terms of their defense of this guy, um, Camponeri. They're keeping him in France. They're protecting him because he was a he was a national leader, and so therefore he's qualified to be protected in France. So clearly, you know, when you talk about international law, since we not have criminals being being protected, in fact, that's against that's against the UN general, that's against UN UN bylaws that you don't protect you don't protect uh, international criminals. In fact, this guy is a criminal. But the fact that France is willing to protect him speaks volumes in terms of their complicity in terms of the death of Thomas Cory And make no mistake about it, uh, France is, has been doing this for a long, long, long time, and its current leader. Um, um, Macron, uh, this is a this is this is one savvy little sneaky. Um, uh, this is one savvy little devil. I mean, I got to tell you, he uh, you got to give it to him. He's smooth in terms of delivery. I remember one time when he went to uh, when he went to Nigeria, he made a he, he had a uh, he made a statement and he said that don't blame the France uh, for Franco Africa. It's, it's a concept called Franco Afrique. Uh, in other words, I mean, uh, Africa French Africa. And he talked about the fact that uh, don't blame the French for imperialist policies, blame the leaders. You've got to give these guy, guys kudos for, in terms of his audacity to actually stand there before the people and tell them, listen, we are undermining your economy, we screw you, we own your economy, we create all these hardships in your country, but don't blame us for that. That takes a certain amount of uh, gumption in terms of even make such a statement. Right in right in right in the country uh, the country that's being bill, that's being uh, victimized you know by, by France policies uh, now this guy um, uh, Capando uh, has, has, has Confando, uh, interestingly enough you know he's currently in exile and the question is he's also another international criminal who was supposedly uh, complicit in terms of actually leading the uh, the, uh, the, the the group to actually assassinate uh, Senkora. The fact that he's in exile means that someone in the Western world knows precisely where he is, and the question is whether or not it's in the interest of the West to, to give him up, you know, to the to, to the government in Burkina Faso. Of course, we understand the history is very, very clear. We if we have if Kompore a position is any uh, indication in terms of how the West should respond, then we 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 all understand that Kofande will not be uh, will not be turned in, you know, by Western officials. Even though clearly they know where where he resides, and lastly, brother Africa, in terms of the article, it, it, what I found interesting is that, you know, when we talk about the kind of those those nine steps that you talked about last week in terms of the process involved in terms of colonizing or, or overthrowing a gov- a government, it's interesting. One of those uh, one of those variables was the question around the support for generals. Now in mean, Burkina Faso, this particular general, General uh, Gilbert D. Dandere. Uh, this guy has a long history in terms of his willingness to destabilize, or to destroy, or to kill his own comrades in terms of uh, to 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 ensure the interests of the West, or particular the interests of France are protected. So when we talk about in terms of this relationship between the generals, African generals, and the West, uh, it's a very very um, poignant uh, it's a very very poignant tale because one of the things is that when you talk about this relationship between African generals and the West. This relationship is too well established throughout the continent of Africa, and so we look at Africa, the 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 abundance of, of Western troops, American, French, uh, um, in particular. When you look at the numbers of troops in Africa, then it raises real red flags in terms of just you know how many of these people are actually participating in terms of the West, but not only to destabilize their countries, but also to create a scenario in which uh, conceivably Africa would never uh, rise to to. To, 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 to innovate, to, to, in, to increase uh, its economy, to do those kind of things that its people need in terms of, in terms of longevity. So clearly, Brother Africa, you know, when I read it, the article, you know, it just makes you sort of say, but this kind of, this is propensity, this tendency among African leaders, you know, to do things that are not in the interest of their people, not in the interest of their country, speaks volumes in terms of the, science, the kind of um, self-hatred all the kind of colonized mindset that exists in so many leaders. And so when I'm going to say this in closing about Africa, I think when we talk about this, 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 this colonized mindset, this slave mentality, we should not, we should not presuppose, and no one should think, one second, that so when we talk about this colonized mindset, we should talk about Africans on the continent. When we talk about this African slave mentality, we talk about Africans throughout the diaspora. In America, you got got these, these African so-called conservatives, you know, if, 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 if the FBI was to run an operation, or if the CIA was going to an operation in, in the United States, the first people they would tap in terms of formatting division in the community or formatting uh, um, the, the death of radical leaders in the society, the first people they would approach would be your conservatives. Why? Because their interests align perfectly with the interests of imperialist powers. So in Africa, you have the same phenomena. So, when I talk about this question in terms of the slave mentality, I'm not simply talking about brothers and sisters on Africa, in Af- on the continent of Africa. I'm talking about Africans throughout the diaspora and the United States included. So, it's very, very clear that this kind of mindset is detrimental to the aspirations of African people. And it's one of those things that we continue to struggle with. In a, in a, in a way, way, and if we're not more successful in terms of eradicating or destroying that slave mentality in our people, then yeah, one thing is clear that our enemies, the enemies of humanity, will use these people to perpetuate injustice and suffering among the African masses. And I close with that, Brother Africa.
4: Thank you, Brother Hakeem. We can go with Brother Anthony. Brother Anthony, before I get you to respond to this article, let's just share with our people just the type of spirit that typifies Thomas Sankara. You know, he came and gave a speech in the United General Assembly in 1984, in which he stated that, I come from a country who 7 million children, women, and men refuse to die for ignorance, hunger, and thirst in Elano. My aspiration is to speak on behalf of my people, on behalf of the disinherited of the world, the disheartened of the world, and to state the reasons for our revolt. That was the kind of spirit that he brought. When he at the United Nations in 1984, when you read this article, Brother Anthony, normally when you have coups in Africa, what are the major reasons of why coups normally happen in Africa? As related to this whole question of trying to maintain control over the domination of African minerals and resources, what is your take and perspective
6: on this? Yes, generally most. Most coups d'états in Africa uh, involve a shift in power from one segment of the bourgeoisie to another. This particular coup that took place created a Burkina Faso, uh, the line of upright people, in uh, in, Morsi, in Morsi, the language of the country's largest ethnic group. Uh, you know, was different in that uh Sanghara tried to uh to implement genuinely socialist policies. But uh but the mistake he made uh in Kwame Ture's opinion was that he did not form a political party and uh you know that might have uh that might have been part of uh you know his uh, you know why what what why he was assassinated so soon after uh after uh he, he took political power and tried to implement socialist policies in that country and um and uh there was a there was a lot of opposition to the changes he made by the comprador bourgeois, uh, bourgeoisie in Burkina Faso and um and uh that is and i think this is a consequence of the control of the educational system in Burkina Faso by the former French colonizers uh and I think that's part of the reason why the military is so corrupt because in a lot of cases, they get their training uh from the very people who colonized them and uh so i think uh so uh you know I think that is why to this day corruption uh political corruption is so rampant in Africa not only in Africa but also uh, uh but also throughout the diaspora as uh uh brother Haki alluded to and uh, and I think it's because uh let's see um you know uh and Kuma points out correctly. That it takes socialists to build socialism, and uh, and it, and um, education has to be in control of the uh, 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 of the masses of working people, in order to produce an intelligentsia that is going to serve the interests of Africa rather than Africa's enemies. And I think and I think that's uh that is the critical factor, uh that uh that there was a lot of there was some opposition uh to uh uh Sankara's uh policies that he tried to implement. Not a lot because the bourgeoisie doesn't represent a majority of the people, never does, but it's an influential segment and that's why uh africa is dominated by neo colonialism today and i think the reason why uh the trial of these uh of thomas and carr's uh killers is uh coming up is because uh let's see uh in this type of uh struggle a lot of the political leadership in Africa are in fear of their own uh, positions of power. And I think that's why this came up. And I think, but I I think it has to be followed closely to see what the outcome is. But the thing about it, though, this shows that more than ever, our people need to be organized uh, from the bottom up to achieve pan-Africanism.
4: Thank you, brother Anthony. Brother Moses, your take on this article dealing with Thompson Core, upcoming trial for those who may have played a part in his execution. What would you take from this article, brother Moses?
7: Yeah. Well, I'm going to try not to repeat what's already been said because it's been good. But um, the, the I know that the French president, uh, uh, Macron, or whatever. Uh, he was supposed to be releasing um some of the files um that the state has on 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 the case and um and uh and uh, his, historically there in in and uh as a ex colony or whatever and um evidently he he didn't release any significant uh information he released some stuff but it was not nothing uh um to the extent that uh, they, they really have files, um, he didn't really release the real files that. Uh, and um, but it, it takes a it takes socialists to build socialism. I agree with that and that, uh, I and mean, we need a, a Leninist party, uh, a Marxist Leninist party of the new type, a party of a revolution, a party that is capable of ruling at once it gains power. And that takes organization and, and, um, we, we see, if we see revolutions that are around, we look around and see the successful revolutions like Cuba, uh, they were organized and, um, and had a a party that was capable of ruling. And because the bourgeoisie has, has the, the dominant ideology in this society is the ideology of the ruling class. And, and, um, we see that the, the bourgeoisie has people working in its interest, even though it, it may not be in their interest, But they're working in the interest of the bourgeoisie, and this because it's the dominant ideology in the society. And consciously, without 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 um, conscious study and and uh, and uh, analyzation, we will you will always end up working in the interest of the bourgeoisie because that's the natural thing to do. In the society, because the, the ideas are the dominant ideas, and so we do need organization or without organization there can be no revolution we need a organization that is grassroots and uh, up and that uh that uh educates people and and uh and properly socializes them and uh and give them the analysis, the critical analysis they need in order to differentiate who their friends and who their enemies are. And this 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 takes a lot of work and a lot of effort and a lot of organization. And we need a, a mass movement. It's going to take millions of people to make revolution. It's not going to take a handful of people. It's going to take millions of people. And uh, and so uh, we have a, a a big work cut out for us. Um, that was think um Sankara's um uh I agree that without the party without a party it's hard to make revolution. Uh, um uh, in Chile Yende um got elected, but um uh I don't he, I don't think he had the proper properly arm the people properly arm the people and the masses of the people in order to defend the revolution. Uh, um um I think um uh hugo chavez Hugo chavez came to power and uh and uh he was able to, he was able to keep people uh organized enough to to defend them when when uh when the counter revolution came about and uh and uh he was able to get go into jail and back out of jail uh because there was people organized uh and conscious of what the interest of the, uh, the mass of the people was, and so it does take political organization, and, and there's no getting around that. But we can chew gum and walk at the same time, and and so there's a lot of there's a lot of levels of the struggle, and a lot, um, uh, if you care about the masses of the people, then you care about their material conditions, and that's the thing: the material conditions that the people find themselves in is. In the USA, for instance, we're threatened with fascism, and Trump, Trump is a, is a personification of fascism. And so, the material condition—if we're concerned about the material conditions of people—you have to be concerned about fascism because it makes a difference. And um, but anyway, um, Thomas Chicago was a, was a great, great um, man and a great leader, and. Um, He made mistakes, and uh, but the problem was not so much his mistakes as much as the fact that the imperialists are are the opposition, and the imperialists are doing anything. They assassinate. They have mercenaries. They have people who who are who are are paid to carry out their interests, and uh, and we are faced with. We need organization. We need organization more than ever. I'll just leave it right there. Thank you.
4: Thank you, Brother Moses. Sister Eleanor, when you read this article, did you somewhat get a sense of it was more all about who will not be invited versus who would? What was your take on this article? I found it really interesting. One of his policies was a policy of uh, not misusing resources and taking the best resources to be given to politicians to be used. So, Sister Eleanor, just in general, your take on it, and and when you read it, like I stated earlier, did you come with the sense of maybe this will be more about who will not be indicted?
8: Well, if I can transgress for just a moment, Brother Africa, back before I speak on this article, back to the issue of. of politics in America right now. I just have to simply state I owe it to myself and our listening audience that there is no real difference between the Democrats and the Republicans. However, this is an unusual time in 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 world history. We're facing fascism and fighting fascism. And as Brother King said, in many states, the survey said. In many areas, there's a low voter turnout. Well, what, what these fascists are hoping is that there'll be even a lower voter turnout. That's what voter suppression is about, reducing voter turnout. And it does make a difference whether or not you're struggling against uh, imperialists versus fascists. So we want to, uh, I just want to make that clear. And that voter suppression, the result of voter suppression is a reduction in voter turnout. And that's done by um, limiting voting poll sites. There are all kinds of strategies, Brother Africa. And from the survey, one thing we know for sure is that folks in the south are voting, folks on the east coast are voting, or at least they voted in 2020. And uh, we got to keep that up right now. we got to keep our fast foot on the gas. Brother Anthony and the analysts are correct. Voting isn't the end all to anything. But right now it is a tool to get to where we want to go in having a revolution. We have to combat fascism. We have to organize our people to, to understand who is uh, an appropriate candidate under the circumstances. We can't ignore reality and put our heads in the sand. We have to stand up for our community and try to take control. Of course, in the West, you see on reservations, voter suppression is common. You see in the state of Texas, Governor Abbott, he's shut down the polls through legislation. So I just have to stick that in there that there may be very little difference in terms of political parties in this country. But there is a big difference in the political parties versus fashions. Elizabeth Cheney didn't step – Elizabeth um, – I'm sorry. the the Elizabeth Cheney, I don't believe, stepped away from the Republican Party because uh, – She's not standing up for uh, for the big capitalists from fascism. She's stepped away from tyranny and violence against the masses. That's what the end result of fascism is. Extraordinary human suffering and death and the loss of liberty and civil rights. And that starts in this country right now where we're at. It starts with the elimination of voters' rights, of women's rights, of the right of demonstrators, of the right of people to exercise their civil liberties, their constitutional rights. So in terms of the trial, brother, I don't know who's going to be tried and who won't be tried, but I I do see that the They needed uh Mitterrand and the um uh the Prime Minister and the president's documents, and they seem not to have been released for for what what according to the article for whatever reason so um it's true that uh state documents were released, but we find ourselves in this predicament where um uh Francisco Mitterrand's papers and Jacques uh, uh Sir uh, his name is C H I R A C I don't Sorac, I don't wanna say it incorrectly. Uh their their papers were not released and as I said they were respectively the president and prime minister of France at the time of Sakara's assassination and we also see that uh uh the reason uh they say that uh uh the brother uh cannot be a, uh charged is because he was a head of state they're using the same uh crap we're hearing about Trump the reason that uh he can't be tried is because he was the head of it looks like uh uh there's some real issues there and president i, I, I mean uh, brother Hakeem said something really important. They looked like they took uh notes from the c i a in that uh this man was assassinated by someone he had placed in parliament and and the guys alleged that uh they went to simply arrest uh Uh, They went to arrest Sankara And instead he answered with shots. Ergo him and 12 of his uh, cabinet members Were assassinated Now his wife is living in exile in France And it was discovered when his body After 27 years was uh, interned That it was riddled with bullets And uh, this is an out and out assassination. And the the general shows up at the hearing. The only one to show up at the hearing shows up uh, in his full uniform. And uh, uh, there there is uh, another key player in that incident was uh, charged uh, during a, a 2007. Uh, or 20 uh, 2015, I'm sorry, a uh, uh, coup, or not a coup, but the uh, after a takeover of the government, he uh, was charged with trying to uh, initiate a coup, and Ergo uh, was subsequently charged, convicted, and serving a 20-year uh, sentence in Burkina Faso. And... Uh, The main thing is the key players, whether or not uh, we'll ever get to it, depends on um, the level of investigation and the materials that are uh, released by France. And uh, France definitely uh, plays a key role in the government, governments of its former colonies. And uh, it's had a, Uh, horrible impact but the article further states that if Burkino Faso isn't allowed to uh, experience a democracy the real threat uh, may be uh, the growing Islamic uh, insurgency uh, conducted in the name of jihad that has killed thousands of people according to the article and placed more than one million people, and they have displaced more than one million people in recent years. So uh, we see a real crisis and uh, informed observers are certain that uh, these, uh, these highly significant documents uh, exist. Uh, and the fact that Mitterrand didn't deliver on what, what he promised is th- something that may be highlighted in the course of the trial of Sakara's Saqqara, uh, killers. Not that anything better could uh, have been expected, according to the article of uh, Mitterrand so uh it's 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 difficult to say uh who's going to come forward who will uh be indicted in this trial but it's definitely an uh, action moving forward uh by the people of Burkina Faso for social and political justice and uh exercising uh uh democracy in the democratic process.
4: Thank you, my sister. Brother Anthony, we know information is timeless. Now, as we talk about this issue of the world, the whole world eyes are on us, and we're talking about Africa, the African people. And we look at the Ghana News daily on uh, May 31st, 2021. It has an article titled, Washington is to Take Over Africa. Washington, we're talking about Washington, the power base, the power to be, the forces that represent the entities that we call Washington, D.C. and the U.S. is to take over Africa. Now, when we talk about the whole world eyes on us, let me just read a snippet of of this article, a paragraph, so the listening audience will get a sense. And I would like for you to respond to this article in the sense of this whole question of the article maybe address the issue of why the whole world have the eyes on Africa and I will further actually to um um to further expand on this particular theme. Okay. Now it states that Africa has thirty percent Of the remaining minerals resources in the world which largely remain untouched according to recent forecasts Africa will become a global strategic resource reserve by 2030 first of all this reference to the irreplaceable types of minerals regularly used in the military even now the US military industrial complex dependence on imports of non furus and rare minerals from African countries exceeds fifty percent. See now to me, Brother Anthony article says all. Oh, your 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 synopsis from that particular paragraph and the rest of the article. Why is it the whole world eyes are on us? And this is, we're talking about Africa, African people. Brother Anthony.
7: Okay.
6: I think it's, the article raises a number of significant points, one of which is that Africa has 30% of the remaining minerals resources of the world, which largely remain untouched. And it was, uh, it was during the nineteenth centuries that Europe discovered that Africa was rich in natural resources in addition to cheap labor and uh, and uh they've been exploiting Africa's resources for themselves for uh ever since the late nineteenth century. And that has only intensified. And um, it says that in the next paragraph, however, the White House took care of gaining free access to African raw materials in advance. In the mid-1990s, the, mineral, the American mineral fields and barrack gold supported by the U.S. government contained gained control over the coltan and cobalt deposits in the Republic of Congo since Washington had begun to provide military equipment to pro-Uganda and pro-Rwanda militants controlling the east of the country in exchange for gaining access to the mineral resources in the region. It is worth noting that former U.S. President George H. W. Bush served on the boards of directors of these companies, and also, and all, it also goes to say that the Clintons' involvement in Africa-based businesses is also very deep. But I want to, I want to uh, sum up that uh, that this article assumes that things in Africa will remain the way they are. That is the biggest um uh, weakness I see in this article it point it does a good job of pointing out how the u s gained access to those resources uh control of those resources in Africa, but that assumes the way th- things uh, uh uh that things will remain as they are, and it becomes incumbent upon the people of Africa to get organized well enough organized to change that dynamic and i think they will even though things seem kind of bleak right now but I, but the thing about it though i mean uh one thing uh, that that we learn from history is that africans have been living and surviving in africa for nearly 3 million years so uh, you know that uh, they uh, we've had to overcome numerous obstacles in order to survive and live on on, on that continent, and um, you know, and I'm pretty sure that uh, that with hard work and permanent political organization, we can come. We can overcome the uh, the, the, the current cont- the current domination by Africa, by imperialist and neocolonialist forces. It's going to take a lot of work. It's probably going to take a lot of time. But I don't think things uh, stay the way they are presently. And uh, our survival planet depends upon them not staying the way they are. But, uh, you know, but uh, I think this article is very good at pointing how how, uh, you know, the U.S. maintains its uh, dominance over Africa's resources and the role that AFRICOM plays in that process. So, uh, you know, uh, you know, I think the article ends on a on a bleak note that Africa once be again becomes a victim of colonization by Western culture. But uh, it assumes that, that things will stay that way. And I got a feeling since resistance to imperialism is increasing everywhere in the world, it won't.
4: Thank you, Brother And Brother Haki, come and talk to me. When you read this article, Brother Haki, a couple of things come to my mind, and I'd like for you to share maybe some of the things that came to your mind when you read this article. I just thought just the nature of the title was very imp- uh, uh, um, perspective in terms of um, just the nature of how it was written, where it stated that who is watching is to take over Africa. That's the title in and of itself. But what it does show to me, Brother Haki is this kind of attitude of, of, of European domination, capitalism domination of trying to control Africa, African people, is is on a universal scale. The same behavior that you see in this article can be applied to the behavior in terms of how Washington see. Africans in Haiti. How do you see Africans in the United States? How do you see Africans in Brazil? How do you see Africans in Cuba? How do you see Africans in Venezuela? How do you see um, people of African descent? So, it seems to be a consistent uh, international policies to keep Africa, African people from being, from from developing, and um, we gotta really take a look at this question of. When we talk about supporting these institutions, what are we really doing? Your take from this article, brother Hake?
5: Yeah, you know, you, you know, brother Africa, uh, you're absolutely correct. Um, the bottom line, philosophically speaking, uh, when you talk about the Western mindset in terms of perception of, of, of African people, there is a certain amount of unanimity in terms of this this this, this mindset. And so when we when we think that um we they see african people differently based upon geographical concerns the bottom line is that's not true they see africans as africans in other words they see africans as less than and unfortunately the question in terms of class makes it possible for a lot of africans uh to to uh, to appreciate the fact that you know that your status your money earning potential or your where you live or the kind of car you drive it's a real, of, of no real value to the overall mindset in terms of how they really see African people. And I think the class that makes it impossible for a lot of Africans to see that. So as a consequence, as opposed to working with other Africans to try to generally improve the situation for African people, they tend to believe that because they got it good, then, you know, then apparently uh, somehow that sets them apart from other African people. And I know that's a position that a lot of Africans are not going to touch because they don't want to deal with that. They don't want to acknowledge that's the way they feel. Of course, we understand how they feel, I And mean, we understand the psychology behind it. We understand the sociology behind it. We, we understand that. Uh, but certainly when you talk about in terms of the, the West uh, treatment of Africa, you're, you're absolutely correct, brother. Africa they're in lockstep, lockstep in terms of how Africa, how Africa is disadvantaged. Uh, yeah what is more problematic about Africa as I alluded to before is the fact that you know african leaders but persist and playing that game of the west uh under the guise that by playing that game they get some of the crumbs never never taking the time to look around and look at your people you know, to look at your your country to look at the history in terms of the plunder historical plunder that's been uh, initiated against Africa and coming to the realization that you know this has to come to an end. The notion that they don't have a fundamental understanding that this kind of plunder can only lead to bad things for them as well, never seems to be a factor in terms of their calculation. So for me, brother, after that is very, very problematic in trying to understand that uh, because you know, you know, one of the things you know when I think about uh, Professor Lumumba out of Kenya, and I tell you that's that's I tell you that's one of my heroes because I'm telling you because despite uh, the the obstacles we have to contend with in terms of trying to articulate, uh, you know, a, a brighter future for Africa, there's a tremendous amount of resistance of, of leaders, you know, uh, throughout Kenya and East Africa who are diametrically opposed to what Professor Lamu is saying. What Professor Lamu is saying essentially is that, if listen, if we don't do things to empower ourselves, then it's not going to happen. For us to continue to acquiesce, to continue, continue to believe that if we just rely on others, that somehow that's going to make us better is foolish. And so, the, so, so, uh, consequently, the message that Dr. Lamuma puts out is not is not being is not is not uh, making any real headway in terms of the, the, the African leadership, particularly you know in, in West Africa, in Kenya, and East, in Eastern Africa. So, clearly, brother Africa, this, this 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 question in terms of how to see Africa is pivotal, because unless Africans get a firm sense in terms of who they are, then one of the problems is that, you know, they're never they're, they're never. Rise a position in which they collectively understand that they have a collective responsibility to to engage in this fight. And of course, some people would argue that, of course, class will mitigate that, and to some extent, that's very, very true. Uh, as I alluded to before, our class is a big, big issue. But a much more prevailing issue, if you look at the fundamental abhorrent treatment rendered to African people, is not based upon their, their, their economic status, but based upon the color of their skin. Or in some cases, the texture of their hair or the shape of their nose. So these kind of um, ridiculous uh, uh, characterizations of African people in terms of defining who African people are, in the minds of Western leaders, has some legitimacy. In the context of America, what is very interesting in terms of, you know, when we think about terms of this mindset, this Western mindset, and what is interesting is that when you talk about critical race theory, what is very, very interesting is that Historically, when you talk about the evolution of America, they've always done a very good job in terms of um, negating or liquidating or hiding the history of Africa. Now, one would think, if in fact, if people were inferior, then you certainly have nothing to to, to fear in terms of let, allowing people to know their history. But the mere fact that they 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 hid people African history, they did not African people the right to learn their history, they distorted that history. The mere fact that they engaged in that kind of uh, conspiracy against African people speak variance in terms of their understanding fundamentally in terms of the capability of African people. And so if if, the, if Western leaders understand the capability of African people and feel that oppression of African people is vital in terms of them maintaining their longevity, then certainly it's apropos for African people to understand that their genius, our genius, in terms of being able to stand against any situation that arises. So we got work to be done. And of course, you know, talking about it is simply not going to get it done. Of course the organization has to take place but also we have to understand in the context of in the context of Africa when we talk about in terms of real organization we have to understand that the Western powers are working full-time in terms of making sure the kind of organization that we're talking about is, does, doesn't come to fruition and so and when we when we factor in the fact that when we factor into the consideration that the education system of Africa by and large is not controlled by Africans but controlled by Western states are clearly the kind of message, the kind of empowering messages that Africa needs in terms of self-realization, is simply not there. So therefore, we we, we deal with that handicap and understanding that. So a lot of the changes that are going to have to take place in Africa, have, going to have to may have to come from outside of Africa into Africa in terms of as a catalyst to motivate you know African masses in terms of the need for revolution in Africa. And of course, in, in saying that, I'm not naive. I understand that Western powers who who understand that. Uh, are very very cognizant in terms of uh, you know Africans Africans born in diaspora going to Africa, because they think if you go to Africa then you must know something, otherwise you'd be going to Europe, you know uh, the more the more sophisticated go to Europe you know and for those Africans in, born in the diaspora go to Africa, then they must be conscientious and so therefore they got to be watched, and so therefore trying to transmit that the necessary information the Africans need, to for clarity in terms of. Uh, uh, understanding why it's a ne- necessity in terms of African standing up to fight this, this imperial system, uh, we understand that it's not, it's, not going to, it's not going to be easy, but nonetheless it's something that uh, we have to take into consideration as a possibility in terms of trying to move forward, you know, uh, in terms of our fight against global imperialism. Uh, and one last thing, Brother Africa, I, w- I would simply say that, you know, i I, I got to come back to this question in terms of in terms of class. Uh, one, one of the things is that, you know, People often elevate class above race, and I think that's a strategic that is a verb that is, that is a mistake. Uh, I, you know, for the reasons I articulated earlier, I think one of the things is when you start elevating class above race, uh, it makes it difficult for you to understand the commonality of the struggle. Uh, because once you start seeing terms of in terms of race or ethnicity, then you understand it has a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a common problem. The problem with class is once you start saying things in terms of class, then you simply can, can create uh, uh, in your mind uh, reasons uh, to, set, to, to set yourself apart from others. And so, therefore, when you talk about oppression of African people, well, you might, as in terms of a class perspective, your position may be, well, yes, oppression is among African people, but not for me. I.e., therefore, I'm special. I.e., therefore, I'm more intelligent. I.e., you know, um, I just work harder, blah, 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 blah. So clearly I think the question in terms of ethnicity or, 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 for lack of a better term, race, I think has to be an intimate part in terms of organizing because one of the things that Africans don't deal with, Africans don't deal with race. Africans tend to deal with class. And I think because Africans tend to deal with class, they tend to negate the question in terms of the importance, in terms of race as a catalyst and in an in a, in a energizing force in terms of moving forward because it sort of clarifies in terms of the situation. You don't have to be erudite. You don't have to be intellectual to understand that these people are treated differently based upon my skin color, and so therefore it doesn't matter my profession, my, my you know, my, my earnings. All that matters is that, you know, that people who look like me have a right uh, to live their lives, and so therefore it's incumbent upon me to create conditions or fight for conditions to ensure that people who look like me uh, can enjoy those things uh, uh, based upon their God-given abilities. So clearly, Brother Africa, you know, I, I think it's, it's, very, it's problematic all the way around, but one thing is clear, you know, uh, the struggle is... Uh, the struggle is ongoing and brother brother Anthony is absolutely correct. Uh, you know, um the, the, the organizational peace is, is pivotal and if we and if we can't divide someone in terms of organizing on an international level, then the bottom line is that, you know, uh what happened to Africa uh affects us all. And I'll close with that.
4: Thank you, brother Haki. Sister Eleanor. One of the real significant points that were raised in this article was that there is a a, a presumption that the U.S. will secure its interests and its control of all of the major resources in Africa, they say by the year 2030, which is basically not that far away. Now, if that happens, what kind of impact do you see that it will have on African African people? In years to come, shouldn't there be more of an interest among African people here as well to look at Africa as the primary issue as relates well to try to resolve their problems? So, what's your position on that particular question, Illinois? And at the same time, just in general, in terms of what you took from this article, Illinois, your response, please.
8: Well. Uh, <clears throat> I think that it should be everyone's concern what happens to Africa. I found the article very informative, and I think there's something uh, understated in the article. You know, we've mentioned in recent uh, programs about the recent increase in U.S. militarization in Africa, and the article discussed the... uh, the U.S. African, Prosper African Initiative launched at the U.S. African Business Summit that was held in Mozambique in 2020. And, uh, you know, the it states that the majority of American politicians and diplomats involved in the uh, implementation of the project are aimed to seek uh, commercial opportunities in, uh, for American business and uh, help uh, American companies uh, use their uh, use these opportunities. In other words, uh, the main goal of this initiative is to gain full uh, control over. Africa, over the African continent. I think what's interesting about this article is the year 2030. As we know that we're in an environmental, a global crisis on Mother Earth. And as we know, and as scientists have told us, and it's been produced in a 1,700-page report, and as, as we've known since the 1970s, that we're going to face, uh, been facing droughts, that has displaced uh, millions of persons on planet Earth already, of local and indigenous and 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 uh, uh, farmers in Africa, South America, Asia, throughout the, uh, uh, even it's impacting the Western United States. So, the. Global South, which is Africa, is going to where everyone needs to live or is going to want to live. And in 2030, just nine years from now, I think we're going to see increasing numbers of investment in land simply to have access to land where Produce can be grown where there is water, uh, so I think oil and gas drilling in Ghana and and and, and 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 these kind of things, those will be soon be history. In Ghana and Equatorial Guinea, that's what's been happening. But what's going to happen is there's going to be a land grab in Africa because people are going to need a place to live. They're going to need a place to be comfortable. Now, these billionaires, these trillionaires, these folks think they're going to buy their way out of environmental injustice against Mother Earth. I don't think it's going to work that way. They think they're going to colonize space and live there. Well, I hope they all go. We want to send them all and the workers will reclaim Mother Earth. We'll focus on the things that the last, that Tim, uh, the overthrown president in the last article was focusing on, reforesterization, education. He didn't want people, uh, people were refusing to live with thirst and hunger. Well, we'll focus on eliminating thirst and hunger and and, and illiteracy. And we'll focus on uh, vaccination clinics. That's what that last article talked about. He wanted to see his people vaccinated against everyday diseases, children dying of, uh, just like in this country, no one has to die of chicken chickenpox or the measles. No one has to die from the flu. No one has to die from everyday diseases because they're vaccinated. And he wanted to see it happen in, in his country. So I think that this article tells us that it's not only U.S. trying to grab for minerals and those resources, the biggest resource is the land itself, the very real estate. Of course, uh, uh, mineral rights are important, uh, but what's more important is water. What's more important is clean air. What's more important is having reasonable rainfall versus floods versus droughts. So I see this this article as being very informative. And I think just the focus on 2030 is uh, the reality of when folks are gonna start migrating to the global south. And uh, the summit in 2020 uh, they called the U.S. Business Summit, uh, and the initiative uh, was called the Prosper Af- Africa Initiative that was launched at that summit. summit. This, of course, going to foster a lot of greed. You know, the, co- the neo-colonialist rulers—they're not thinking of the African people. They're not thinking of many of them aren't. These leaders aren't thinking of their people they're not thinking of their nation they're thinking of themselves they're thinking of maybe their families but but where are they going to run and the reality is is uh environmentally uh of course it's, the article talked about uh, apple and intel buying resources already uh and 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 if it's not under the government's control who are they buying it from the militant groups apparently so if if they're saying that uh in the congo materials uh that american companies such as apple and intel uh need for manufacturing smartphones and laptops uh are not in, in control of the government in Kinshasa, then uh, somewhat, only 10% of those resources are under government control in Kinshasa. So that means the rest are under military control. So are they playing burning the candle at both ends, trying to make business in Kinshasa while making business with the militant groups? So these are all questions that the article brought up, and they're very, very important, and it's very well written. But the reality is something else I was reminded of in this article, and that's the environmental crisis and the fact that people are going to need to move. We see the coastal flooding. We see the forest fires all over this land right here, the United States of America. We see it all over the world, Brother Africa. So we are going to see the very wealthy, the top 20%, wanting to uh, relocate. And as Brother Hakeem says, the middle class uh, are not a part of the top 20%. The, quote, upper working class aren't a part of the top 20%. So they're going to be left behind, and they need to unite with their fellow workers
5: because, yes,
8: they may be comfortable, but will they have air conditioning in 2030? Will they have a water source in 2030? What will be the cost of bottled water? Will the filtering systems in their homes work in 2030? Will they be able to receive the energy? Will they have gone solar or alternative energy so they'll be able to to run the equipment and the, uh, to produce air conditioning in their home? Are they still going to be dependent on fossil fuel? So these questions all came to mind when I read this article. This article is dealing with the world as if it's 1970. This is 2021. We're in an environmental crisis. It's no longer about oil and gas exploits. Yes, it may be about cobalt, certainly, because this is now the computer age, laptops and cell phones. Everyone on Earth needs them. But it's certainly not about fossil fuels. So, uh, I see it as uh, being well-written, documents, uh, uh, core concerns as we know them today. But I think there's a lot that the superpowers are not telling us. They know that they're going to need to relocate. It's not just by accident that suddenly after not participating in the uh, Belgian annexation of Africa in the late 19th century, that suddenly in the 21st century, uh, the U.S. wants to have a military presence in Africa. That's not an accident. It's a plan for the future. And it's not for gas or oil. It's for land, in my opinion. Thank you, Sister Eleanor.
4: At this point in time, we're going to bring in Brother Moses. Brother Moses, share your wisdom with us, based upon your reading of this article. Brother Moses.
7: Well, it was a well-written article. Um, it talked about um, Bush's little um, foray into Africa. Uh, it talked about Hillary Clinton as Secretary of State and how she managed to get them, keep them from nationalizing the mines, et cetera, Uh it It was documented uh um Africa has the resources uh um, that the world needs and it's it's gonna that's why AFRICOM is there uh to to look out for the interests of the u s and uh, you know we we have to continuously uh organize and talk about what's going on so that people are aware of what's going on and that they can recognize who are our friends and who are enemies and, uh, and uh, unite the many to defeat the few. And so um, I don't know, I don't know uh, how uh, in terms of the class struggle uh, in Africa, obviously, you know, Africa for Africans and, uh, and so race plays a key key role in terms of all the African People's Revolutionary Party, G C et cetera, uh, and the need for Pan Africanism, et cetera. It's very understandable how race race is gonna be a key factor. Uh the class struggle, uh uh, I think, you know, is is uh, strategically necessary to focus on the class struggle in order to 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 to, to um, advance the cause of the struggle and the cause of the fight against racism uh only the working class is capable of of uh of uh, of uh, eliminating the 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 obstacles and uh barriers to racism and uh, so I don't know, um uh it should be interesting to see how things develop uh, uh we it's gonna take uh, like I said, it's gonna take millions of people. It's, it's gonna take millions of people to make a revolution. And the correctness or incorrectness of an ideological physical land will be decisive and so it's it's important to be correct. And uh anyway It was
4: a well-written article. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Moses. Um, Before we make our next transition and go on a revolutionary culture break, as we continue the discussion, the whole world eyes are on us. I would like for Brother Anthony Highkey to take a stab at this particular phenomenon, which I find really interesting in terms of this concept of this article. As we talk about taking over the, the strategic minerals and resources of Africa. It seems to be saying that not only would they take over these land bases where these minerals are, but they seem to not to have no major concern over these so-called Islamic terrorist groups or these so-called terrorist groups that's supposed to be raving havoc in Africa today. I would just like to have y'all in terms of why is that, because to me, based on looking at the history of the struggle that has been taking place, most of those groups are not all the groups are really groups that have been created by the West, and many people would call them opposition uh, uh, organized opposition your response, brother Anthony, first then the response by brother high Key. brother Anthony? uh
6: let's see um it is pleasant. Has historically taken advantage of the various divisions in Africa uh, and used them uh, uh, to to their own advantage, and uh, and I think the funding of various uh, militia groups in Africa is no exception to that phenomena, or that trend. And uh and what and what they try to do is they try to play up the divisions that exist in Africa uh to the to the detriment of the masses of African people. Uh, you know, for example, they play up ethnic differences or religious differences that exist among Africans and have exi- a, a existed for several centuries. But uh let's see but uh, uh one uh one problem uh, uh you know the biggest the, pro- the article gives a lot of information about the techniques of imperialism but the one uh the one thing i would say that 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 it assumes that things will stay the way they are, and that is the biggest weakness of this article is that it assumes that 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 things will stay the same and uh and that's an undialectical outlook to take everything changes all the time that's one of the many lessons that uh uh that panacthenius soschers and kruma tore and left left us with and that's something we have to keep in mind uh the uh to to the extent that the capitalists are successful depends upon the resistance that we put up as some people. And uh and, and effective re- resistance takes permanent mass organization and political education. All right, thank you, Brother Anthony.
4: What we're we going to do, Brother Haki, I'd like to have your response to this whole question. When you look at this plan in the West, they seem not to be too concerned about these so-called terrorist groups that operate inside of Africa in terms of their overall plan of domination. Do you a general response to that?
5: Brother Africa, you know, you're absolutely correct. Uh, you know, it's, it's an old strategy. Um, they create the so-called terrorists, fund them, and then use them to destabilize, uh, destabilize African African countries. Uh, as I alluded to earlier, recently the Mali uh, political uh, 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 officials uh, had hard proof of the France's involvement in terms of training terrorist groups right there in Mali solely for the purpose of destabilizing the Sahel so- region of, 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 of Africa. So clearly this strategy is an old, old strategy, and so it's, it's nothing new. They, they do to the Middle East, and we talk about in terms of the, the evolution of Mujahideen or the so-called ISIS or the so-called Taliban. If we understand the kind of Western investment and Western kind of infrastructure they created around these organizations uh, for the sole purpose in terms of making sure that they, they create division in the society. They create a division that destabilize African societies. And so, what happens is that in destabilizing African societies, they justify the creation of military bases. So, in the context of this article, where they talk about spending three hundred thirty million dollars for military bases, uh, clearly they understand that these these so-called terrorists that exist in Africa, these so-called the spinoffs of ISIS, are uh, are not a factor because they in fact control them. So they understand that. But it's merely it's, it's, it's a game that they play. But one of the things that Brother Anthony said was very, very important, uh, very, very important, and very important to point out, the kind of hubris or the kind of arrogance of the, of, of the West, in particular the United States, when they talk about this project in terms of their expansionist policies in Africa, when they talk about creating military bases for the sole purposes of maintaining domination and control of Africa, it's very interesting when you talk about a 20-year time frame, that presupposes. That Africans will will remain oblivious, or or Africans remain naive in terms of what's going on in society. Even as we speak, there are lots and lots of Africans who understand the political realities. It's just powerless to actually do anything at this point in history. It's not that they don't understand what's going on; they understand what's going on, but it's just powerless to do anything, simply because the because of the economic realities that currently exist in Africa. But to but to. But to a plan say 20 years, we're going to be doing the same thing that we're doing now, presupposes that African peoples are going to be totally oblivious to what's going on in society. That is the height of arrogance. And so even though the U.S. strategy to use more drones and special forces for the sole purpose of maintaining uh, control of African resources, the bottom line, as is demonstrated in Afghanistan, even with your drone technology, there is no guarantee that the U.S. will be successful in terms of maintaining domination and control of Africa, and if history is any indication in terms of what, 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 what how, how things play out, history says that the oppressed people always over always overcome their oppressor. So in that regard, we can anticipate at some point Africa will be free, irrespective of the kind of technologies and specifically drones that the U.S. and Western nations use for the sole purpose of the domination of Africa. So this kind of arrogance that's so pretty much epitomizes uh, U.S. foreign policy, I find it very very laughable uh, because one of the things is very very clear, you know, um, in the what is inevitable is that uh, you know as U.S. continue, you know, to, to 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 gain a foothold into Africa in terms of use of military bases, then one thing it does is it alienates increasing numbers of African Africans, and so that alienation is going to potentially be the catalyst. For more organization taking place to fight against those those interlopers those uh, foreign powers that really shouldn't be there uh, in order to conduct trade you don't have to physically be on Africa to conduct trade you conduct trade in your own home home homeland. you don't have to come to Africa to conduct trade you can do that without being in Africa so the mere fact that you're there to conduct trade or control trade speaks to not only imperialist uh, propensity but it also speaks to in terms of your in terms of your desire, in terms of the maintaining that control at all costs. And so clearly African people are, are very clear in terms of your, 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 your motivation. So the, so one thing is clear, uh, the, uh, the, US, the, the U.S. imperialist powers, uh, Western imperialist powers will fail, and that's historically, uh, that's historically uh, justified.
4: All right, listen to Africa on the Moon. Thank you, Brother Haki. We're discussing the theme tonight, The Whole World eyes are on us. We're talking about Africa African people. One of the things we would like to point out in terms of looking at what's going on uh, in Africa and around the world when it comes to Western policies here by the U.S. is they have always used a tactic of destabilization as a tool to maintain uh, dominance. Uh, one of the um, lessons we can learn is that sometimes It is best not to let either side win or gain hegemony, but keep both of them destabilized. That way you can show your dominance. So you must keep that in mind. So what we're going to do right now, we're going to pause for a cause, going to be a culture break, and when we come back, we'll close out tonight's program, which is part one of a two-part series, The Whole World Eyes Are On Us. This is Africa on the move.
3: I must be strong to last through my journey, yeah. Less last through my journey, yeah. Time will arrive when we must decide to get off the ride and stop going through these changes. my journey yeah yeah, 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 yeah made it through
2: my journey made it through my journey Hello Reno!
3: A bloodline across the waters from Benin to Salvador Bahia a scar across the face of the earth. Palarino, the place they brought the Africans, the place where they tried to make them slaves. Palarino, you can feel the whip, hear the cries, and see the blood in the red clay. The clay that holds the stones together is African. But in the sacrifice of this blood, of this dance with death, comes life more rich, more pure, more alive, where death spent many lonely nights pacing the floors of his funeral parlor, waiting for someone to die. Pellerino, a French word called the place of torture, became a place of strength, a place where faces of white saints became faces of black gods yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah.
4: Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. My journey We'd like to walk you back to, to going and we're going to be making that closing remarks on the first part of a two-part series. The whole world eyes are on us. We would like to remind you first and foremost, we will close out that from July the 23rd to the 31st, Africa on the Moon, in conjunction with the African Women Association, we'll be taking a feeder ride tour to Cuba. We encourage all individuals who are interested in joining us to email us at AfricaOnTheMove at gmail dot com, or you email the African Awareness Association too at gmail dot com. We also would like to remind you that on this particular day in, 19, in 1896, Ethel Waters, an African singer and actress, was born. And also, and not last, and not the least, all of the email reminders. We definitely want to remind you that Africa on the Move is a weekly program where you can participate with us on every Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, U.S. Please spread the word and join us. We look forward each and every week to speak truth to the powerless and the powerful and to be the voice of the voiceless. This is your particular radio station, so please join us and help us to build it. We'd like to thank all our friends and supporters who have taken upon the this task to build and spread the word that Africa is on the move. So on that note, let's go back to our political panelists and analysts for today's program. We'd like to hear their final thoughts for today's program, part one, or a part two series. The whole world eyes are on us. We'll start first with Brother Moses for
7: his final thoughts for tonight, Brother Moses. Yes, thank you, thank you, thank you. It's been a great program, um very educational. Um we do know that Africa is for the Africans and that the liberation of Africa will be by Africans and that's why why all African People Revolutionary Party G C is so important. Um the revolution in the USA is a, is 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 it's a clearer a more uh class struggle uh even though in in essence in africa it's class struggle too uh in essence uh because that's why black, black visibility is not black power and that, and so it is a class struggle for scientific socialism uh, uh and um this is gonna be the correctness or incorrectness of the ideological and political line that will just be decisive, and we need an organization that reflects the needs and aspirations of the people. People, and so hopefully, you know, we will be able to succeed in, in this process. And um, it's been a good show. Have a good evening. Thank you.
4: Thank you, Brother Moses. Next, we we'll go to Sister Eleanor. Sister Eleanor, your your final thoughts for tonight. night, Sister Eleanor. Uh,
8: well, thank you so much for a wonderful show. It's been very educational, and the articles were fantastic. And just to fill in, uh, where Brother Hakeem mentioned the three hundred and thirty million dollars that is going to be spent in the next uh, four years for construction of um, what appears to be uh, military uh, construction or infrastructure to support military bases. Again, you see the U.S. government supporting the industrial military-industrial complex. And I thought it was fascinating how this article brought up how Hillary Clinton uh, after seeing this Swiss Canadian company uh do scandal be, things that were known to be scandalous in uh the Sudan and and other uh countries that she worked with them to make sure that Kin Sasha did not nationalize its mind. Uh that was quite phenomenal. So you see that uh Europe, Europeans and uh, the uh, the former colonialists um, maintain strong control in Africa. They maintain strong business uh, uh, control over the uh, natural resources of Africa. But again, I think this article assumed that the status quo is all there is. But I think that. Uh, the world is changing. it changes every day, and for sure uh, the revolution uh, revolutionaries in Africa in each and every country are standing up for a united africa and uh, with that in mind, we have to stand firm for Americans as Africans in the americas and 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 maintain uh, a, a strong attitude try to organize uh, ourselves and to uh, uh, educate ourselves and our uh, and if we do that and remember that very basic things should be human rights such as housing health care education access to water clean land clean soil these are uh, important to us and our animal brothers and sisters, and our Mother Earth. And she is screaming. And by 2030, people are going to be flocking to the Global South for just those resources, water and land. And with that in mind, Brother Africa and everyone, I want to thank you for allowing me to participate in this evening's show. Um, and uh, I hope you all have a, uh, a wonderful week And I hope the, uh, uh, We combat fascism And we crush it One state at a time And that we crush Crush the fascists In Virginia And that there be some Foot of democracy That remains there So with
5: that in thank mind Thank you, Sister I-
4: Eleanor. And we now thank Brother Hackey Brother Hackey Final thoughts
5: for tonight. Okay, I know your time is short, so I'll be I'll be brief. Uh, you know, recently I read an article uh, where some some fathers in uh, Louisiana uh, decided they will participate by actually patrolling the hallways in a school in terms of you know you know sort of uh, monitoring the behavior of the children. So that speaks volumes in terms of the kind of things that can be achieved in terms of you know people working together. I think in the case of African people. I think it's paramount that uh, we work together. And this is the classic example in terms of what could be achieved if people were together. Now, one of the things also I have to think about in terms of the role of education because education is key. Certainly one of the things Thomas Sankara sought to do when he, took, 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 when he became president was to create an educational system. In other words, you want an educational system that tends to empower. And, as, and, and of course, it, as far as the West was concerned, that constituted a real threat and so, of course, Thomas Sankala had to be killed because if he would have actually succeeded in, in creating an education system to actually educate African children, then clearly there would be a problem in terms of the ability of the West to control Africa. Now, you know, I'm often, you know I think often about the example in terms of setting South Africa, and I think about the times of in South Africa and, uh, you know, on the way to Robbins Island and observing the young children on the way to Robbins Island. And to look at the children, I mean, just to see how – you know, the gleam in their eye, I mean, the uh, kind, of, um, kind of sense, the kind of projection in terms of the way they walk, the way they talk, in terms of, you know, their, their desire to be educated. And the mere fact that they had this strong desire to be educated, in which gets reinforced by their families. The thing that's great about it, even the government recognizes that unless they fundamentally change the economic system, uh, particularly when it comes to African history, then what happened is, you reinforced this, this nefarious notion that, in fact, Western history is the only legitimate history that exists in the world. So, the country of, of South Africa has been doing a very good job in terms of inviting African, historical scholars to South Africa to innovate his, uh, his, uh, his scholarship, his scholarship uh, in terms of his in terms of um, his, 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 uh, information material uh, provided you know for students, particularly with respect to African history. So that move is gigantic in terms of its potential impact, and um, it's good to see that our South Africa, at least some of the leadership begin to understand that they have to move away from this colonial mindset and begin to implement an educational program which tends to empower, and African history, of course, plays a major part in terms of that. Now, having said that, one of the things that we have to do in America, in, 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 in America those Africans in America have to create those conditions we have to create that the supplemental educational system or the informal educational system that give our children what they need in terms of enhancing their self-esteem. Because if we don't do that, then one thing is clear, that the education system was essentially whitewashed them. And so, therefore, when we, when we call upon our children in terms of excellence, then our children look at us in confusion because they don't understand what you're talking about, simply because the system itself never expects excellence from African children. So it's incumbent upon African people ourselves in terms of creating these institutions, and the um, brother, um, your brother—I um, can't remember his name—brother with the beard, the brother who do educational uh, uh, initiatives. I can't think of Kwame. Uh, I can't think of his name. Anyway, uh, the brother's initiative is, is certainly should be supported in terms of creating independent black schools because clearly it's needed in terms of the betterment or the enhancement of you know our, our our kids' intellectual functioning. Now, having said that, brother Africa, I'm I'm going to conclude and simply say you know as always, you I know, encourage the people. You know, the, to you know, unravel the matrix uh, That is key Unraveling the matrix in terms of making sense of This insanity can only happen In the context that we're organized uh, We understand the issues At hand, and we move to resolve those issues Without that, there can be no real movement And having said to Brother Africa You have a good night
4: Thank
5: you for saying Brother Haki.
4: Next we go to Brother Anthony Brother Anthony, your final thoughts For tonight, Brother Anthony
6: Yes, my final thought for tonight is that in uh, that it is, um, you know, our, our 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 enemies seem to be great and powerful, but in spite of that, I think with the achievement of pan-Africanism, we can uh, solve most of the problems confronting African people worldwide. And uh, Pan-Africanism is the total liberation and unification of Africa under scientific socialism. And we need permanent mass organization and political organization to achieve that. And that is what the All African People's Revolutionary Party, GC, is seeking to accomplish. The organization of the masses of our people for the Achievement of Pan-Africanism. And uh, you can, uh, people can find out more about our program by visiting our website at www.a-aprpgc-gc.org. And there you can learn about our efforts to achieve Pan Africanism, the history of, of Pan Africanism, and of our party, and also you can learn about, uh, you know, uh, 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 Brother Bob's Brown uh, Brown's latest book, uh, the disclosure and di- and digitization of all uh, of all slavery records held by the capitalist countries. And this will um, uh, mark a giant leap in terms of uh, empowering our people with knowledge of our history and the role that all capitalist parties have played in our oppression, And why we need to fight to achieve Pan-Africanism. Thank you for having me on the program tonight, Brother Africa.
4: And we thank you as well, Brother Andrew, for your contribution to today's program and all our panelists and analysts' contributions that they have made to this program. And, of course, we will not forget you to listen to all the audience and supporters who allow us to come to your home this evening where we spoke truth to the powerless and the powerful. As a reminder, Africa on the Moon can be um, listened to every Sunday evening from 7 p.m. Eastern Time, U.S or you can go on Blog Talk Radio and listen to us on your computer set. So there's a different methods in which you can listen to this program. We actually encourage you again to please share the word with your friends your network to check out Africa on the Move and help us build this particular institution where every African around the world will understand the necessity to support it. So that know, like always, remember, Africa is on the move. We'll see you next week at 7 o'clock. This will be part two next week. The whole world eyes are on us. So we can close you out with a lesson from Brother Kwame Nkrumah. He left for us when he stated that there are forces against Africa then, and we're saying there are forces against Africa today. And following that, you will hear some rubbish and music closing out this program. We thank you again for your support. I'm Brother Africa. Let's remember, once we achieve pan-Africanism, it is the key. It will set all Africans free. This is the solution to our daily problems. Until next time, we will continue to scribe to go forward our backwards now. We now will take you to Kwame Nkrumah as she left an important message the forces against Africa.
12: The forces are raised against us are, and I use the word most carefully, formidable. They are intense and powerful. They are, as I have taken some pains to explain, the forces of imperialism acting through their instruments, new colonialism and colonialism, ably assisted by the agents of the Cold War. They operate in worldwide combinations at all levels, political, economic, military, cultural, educational, social, and trade. And not all and through intelligence, cultural and information services. (laughs) They operate from European and African centers using agents who, I'm ashamed to say, are often on patriotic shores of Africa, buying personal satisfactions with the betrayal of their country's safety and integrity. (laughs) They seduce leaders. They seduced leaders of the African political, trade unions and people's organizations, thus creating rifts and quarrels within the National Front. On the border front, they are amassing their forces in a determined effort to stay the advance of African liberation and the march of unity. It is not accidental. That the countries of the European Common Market, and those spearheading the North Atlantic Treaty Organization, the imperial powers who have brought in their vassals Spain and Portugal. Portugal, in fact, since the wars of the Spanish Succession, 1700 to 1714, being a protector of Britain, which has enjoyed special trading and unnecessary rights in both Portugal and in the Portuguese territories for over 200 years. It is not difficult to understand, therefore, why Britain has not raised a voice against the atrocities in Angola and other protected Portuguese territories and actually supported Portugal's preposterous scream at Goa in India was an integral part of the metropolitan country.
2: <laughs>
12: the arms and troops that are pouring into Angola cannot be regarded as solution from the international organization of imperialism and the Cold War militarism with which they are most definitely linked. It is absurd to think that Portugal, one of the poorest countries in Europe, support so large an army so well equipped as that which is defending her colonial possession in Africa without the active aid it must be receiving from the North Atlantic Treaty Organization. Nor can we look upon the way in which South Africa is busily building up an armed force equal to any held by the nations of Europe without sending the international implications that are obviously involved. She has, we hear, a secret military pact with Portugal. And the interlocking imperialist interests collected in the Congo and the Rhodesias, Angola and Mozambique, which are also linked with the great mining and financial interests operating in South Africa, create a chain of allies which seriously threatens both the fight for extending African emancipation from colonialism and independence of the new African state. Now, that African independence has been achieved over a large part of the continent and the national consciousness of Africans from north to south, from east to west is adding momentum to the struggle for independence. Every kind of means is being used by the colonialists to arrest its progress and defeat its objective. They are attempting many methods, some sinister, some beguiling, to wreck our efforts. They strike antipathetic postures. On one side, they perform acts calculated to strike fear. On the other, they try to hoodwink us with fictitious gifts which superficially pander to our hopes and aspirations. They are the president's attempts to deflect our purpose, to weaken our determination.
0: Palestine, Palestine needs our love needs
2: our love
0: Palestine, Palestine, Palestine needs her freedom needs her freedom Palestine, Palestine, Palestine needs, our needs our love there seems to be no answer
9: From the Indians Welcome to pilgrims And to the Buffalo Who once rule a plain Like the vultures Circling beneath the dark clouds Looking for the rain Looking for the rain Just like the cities that stagger on the coastline In a nation that just can't stand much more Like the forest buried beneath the highway Never had a chance to grow Never had a chance to grow And now it's winter Winter in America Yes, that all of the hellers Have been killed or sent away Yeah, but the people know The people know it's winter in America and ain't nobody fighting because nobody knows what to say save your soul Lord knows from winter in America the Constitution a noble piece of paper with free society, the struggle but they died in vain. And now democracy is a ragtime on the corner, a hope bread, and falls false reign. That's Dougie the hope, bread, hope bread, and falls and, and I see the robbers, first in barren treetops. Watching last is ahead, marching across the floor. But just like the peace behind that vanished in our dreams, never had a chance to grow home. Never had a chance to grow home. And now it's winter. It's winter in America And all of the hillers Have been killed Or betrayed Yeah, but the people know The people know it's winter Lord knows it's winter in America And ain't nobody fighting, cause nobody knows, nobody knows.